Hello and welcome to Mad Get Radio episode number six. I'm Andrew and I'm joined as always by my courageous co-host Paul. What's going on guys? Hope everyone's good. And we have a very special episode for you tonight. Looking forward to talking about some new 2.0 goodness. So this is a very special episode. Uh, we have some uh, tasty treats for everyone as we're coming closer to the Christmas uh, holidays. So we've been asked by uh, Blonde Beer, the all-father of Ninth Age, to do some 2.0 content for everyone to build up the hype as we're getting closer to the release date. So, because I've been a long-time moaner on the Empire forums, uh, we've been allowed to review the Empire Sonstall 2.0 book. Paul, are you excited? I'm actually quite excited, despite the <laughs> fact that my book is not coming out until, like, a ball here before Christmas. But I'm actually pretty excited for this. I think it's because I play you quite a lot. So, apart from my own book, this is probably the book that I know the best. So it's quite exciting to actually see how the rules teams are going about changing stuff and kind of addressing some of the kind of concerns and stuff that the community's been asking for. So it's quite interesting from that point of view. So yeah, I'm definitely excited. Awesome. So before we get underway, there's a couple things that we need to say before we get into the nitty-gritty of the book. Uh, first and foremost is this is obviously part of the advent calendar. So we've been given access to the book um, and it's still kind of pre-release state. So whilst we have what we believe is the most up-to-date version of the Empire book, um, there might still be tweaks and changes between now and release date, uh, particularly to do with points. So we will discuss points, um, but there's a major caveat over that in that we've only got access to what we have. So those points might change, they might increase, they might decrease. Um, however, I feel that a lot of the good things that Empire get in 2.0 um, is to do with the points um, differences. So I thought that we should mention the points, but just in big neon lettering, um, don't blame us if uh, points change between now and release. Um, the other big caveat is that whilst we have a copy of the 2.0 rules, um, it is not the most up-to-date copy that we know of. <laughs> um, so we will be talking about rules as they come up uh, in the book, but again, these might have changed, the names might have changed, um, so we've, we can only really go on what we've got, but we hope that it will give um, all those courageous marshals out there um, a bit of an idea as to what to expect from the Empire book. Absolutely, and also don't you know take what we say and kind of use it as potential ammunition against the real guys, because for all that we're giving you some of the information to this book, we've not seen the other books, and like Andrew says, we've not seen the final rule book. So by all means, you know, get excited for what, you know, the type of information that we can talk about, but, you know, take it with a pinch of salt and that you don't know what the other books have either. So before anyone, you know, decides to cause a shitstorm <laughs> on the forums, you know, just please bear that in mind. So be nice to us, be nice to the, the real people that have been bending over backwards to get this out as quickly as possible. Be nice to Dan. Felix, you can have a go at it, it's fine. But be nice <laughs> to Dan. <laughs> Love you, Felix. Yeah, so exactly what Paul says, um, but I'm just excited to dive in. So, well, <laughs> I've been looking forward to this. Oh. So, will we just dive in? Yeah. Okie doke. So, the Army Special Rules. These have mostly stayed the same. Um, there's obviously been some tweaks to bring up the blessings to 2.0 standards. So, like before, 
any model with blessings, so that's your prelates, uh, they give the unit that they're in um, hatred, except models with harnessed. And harnessed is uh, a new rule which is essentially restricted to mounts. So if you have your prelate in a knight unit, he's not given hatred to the horses the same way that he didn't give it to them before. Um, and like before, the prelates have access to three bound spells, which are power levels four and eight. Paul, do you want to just run us through what the bound spells are in 2.0 again? Yeah, so we've got... Um, are you are you giving me this so that you can listen to me pronounce these names wrong? Maybe. <laughs> well, I found out a couple of weeks ago that I've been pronouncing Voland wrong the entire you know year. That oh, the shit, yeah, that was me that pointed that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Fucking Warriors player. It's your turn. Okay, so... Oh, okay, it's my turn to fuck up. All right, so the first one we've got is Euler's Blessing. Euler's Blessing, yeah, yeah. Uh, So the target receives an Aegis 5 up against melee attacks. Aegis is just a new word for ward save. Suna's Blessing, uh, target gains flaming attacks. Uh, All enemy units in base contact with one or more targets of the spell when the spell is cast, suffer D6 hits, strength 4, AP 1, and... They also receive flaming attacks and magical attacks. So I believe magical attacks is um, an addition to 2.0. I think it was before actually thinking about it. I think it was oh, really? a previous edition, but they took it out to just flaming. Uh, okay. So it's obviously they put it back in. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we've got Volan's Blessing, uh, which is the re-rollable uh, wound rolls with melee attacks. Yeah. So for the most part, I think they pretty much just stayed the same. Yeah. And they're a caster's unit and augment. So yep. in terms of the old kind of just prelate build, um, because the changes to the bound spells, I'm not sure that you can do the full prelate. Or sorry, the the kind of thing that I was doing. So I ran for a long time two prelates and an altar. Um, I, sorry, I have Arcane Engine. And I don't think that's going to be effective now because of the way the bound spells work. Um, and if you want to find out how the bounce spells work, go over to the Vale Renegades podcast because they they went through the entire <laughs> magic phase. Yeah, so I think we'll get onto the, um, our wizards in a second, but I think keep in mind how bounce spells operate because I think that's a big part of the synergies that we can now do. Even just bringing in hatred to a unit is is massive. Yeah, um, yeah, like, exactly. Like, like you say, I mean, I think getting off bounce spells is going to be that much more difficult, especially because magic as a whole is far more attractive. So there's more likely to be varying wizards running around that it's going to be easier for them to get rid of these spells. But just having access to these three, if you're bringing a, a prelate anyway, then it's it's pretty nice to have that option. Yeah. Um, and they're all fairly solid spells. So still still nice to have access to in the book. I think so, yeah. But I think it's going to be kind of, you take one prelate now and you yeah. take that prelate to put pressure. Um, because if you get those blessings off, great. But if you don't, then you're eating dice away from your uh, wizard's spells that he's yeah. casting. So. I think it's more likely that if you can somehow get rid of your opponent's dice then if you've got enough left over, that's probably going to be when you can get these off. Yeah. Because I mean even having a 5 up ward save is pretty nice. Yeah. It saved my it's bacon a few times in there. Yeah. It's really good. Cool. So we'll talk about um, our kind of general ideas and builds and things like that at the end but if we uh, push on to the next army special rule which is the parent support system. So this has caused a lot of heartache and kind of frustration within the Empire community for a long time, or the US community, um, simply because it's a really cool mechanic, it's very fluffy, but it's often 
very restrictive in playstyle and not as effective um, as it could be. So they have tweaked the parent support system. It's largely remained the same. Um, so your parent units are still um, marked on their um, stat lines. So things like heavy infantry over 20-man squads are parent units. Imperial Guard are still parent units. They still treat all support units as insignificant. And uh, when a parent unit performs a charge against a non-fleeing enemy unit before um, the charge move... Before actually performing the charge move, any support units within six can do their support and charge. And likewise, if they are charged, they can still do the um, the counter charge. And um, you still get you to add up your rank bonuses up to six. So that was a, a big part about forcing your opponent to essentially go for the support units, which still um, still there. Uh, support units themselves have changed in that now all support units within six inches of a parent unit gain fighting extra rank and may use shooting attacks from the third rank. So this is massive because if you were like me and you played a big support unit, sorry, a big primary unit and two support units either side, a lot of the time you were taking a great tactician to go in that big unit to give fighting extra rank to either the big unit if it was in combat or the two supports. They were in combat but the big one wasn't. So now right off the bat, those units have that order, which I think is... I think that's really massive. And that's not to mention the shooting from three ranks, uh, which is very, very sexy. Like I was playing around after reading the book, just with like potential lists and things, and just thinking about it, like if you've got two 20-man squads with like spears, they can all attack. Yeah. Just because of the spear rules, and then because now of the support, they're, they're guaranteed if they're at full strength, they're all getting to attack from the get-go, which is really nice. And like you say, with the being able to fire in three ranks for uh, charge reactions is really, really nice. And it's, it's not just for charge well. reactions either. Like They can just shoot normally in yeah. three ranks. Yeah. So the, uh, the current thought in and about the form is that you have probably a big unit of spear or a big unit of Imperial Guard, and either side of them you have um, three ranks of handgunners or crossbows. So maybe, I don't know, f- between 15 or three ranks of six, or even seven, because you just got to watch, you don't want, you don't really want to go in a line. There's nothing stopping you going in line formation, but uh, it's probably better just to keep that rank bonus in case they do get a cheeky charge off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a lot of firepower getting fired up. I mean, it's still there's still the issue that if you do use the support system like this, it makes you quite stagnant in terms of movement, and you really need open planes in front of you. Like, if you've got a lot of terrain and stuff in, in between you and the enemy, you're going to lose effectiveness. But this is going to synergize particularly nicely with one of the orders. Do you want to go through the uh, the orders, Paul? And all the, other, sorry, sure. all the other supports are the same, so you still count the ranks for steadfast purposes of the, the big unit into the, the support units. If you voluntarily flee... Uh, sorry, immediately after a parent unit within six inches voluntarily chooses a charge reaction, the support units can stand and shoot just like they could before. Obviously, that's more effective with the three ranks, and you know the counter charge is still the same. So yeah, so orders. So for the most part, are fairly recognisable. So we've got the first one on the double, which provides plus one advance rate and plus four march rate. We've got steady men, which uh, the target must roll an additional d6 when taking discipline tests and disregard the highest d6 roll, as is the case at the moment. A unit that receives this order and passes a rally test doesn't become shaken, which is a new mechanic to the core rules. 
and the reform that is made after rallying doesn't prevent the unit from moving and or shooting, but it still counts as having moved for shooting purposes. Ready aim fire has had a bit of a change, so this now provides accurate. And the final order is brace for impact, which provides fighting extra rank as it does just now. So some tweaks. What do you think of these? Ready aim fire orders the big change, changing it from the plus six to the accurate. Um, which is really nice, especially yeah, now sure. that yes. you're you're kind of encouraged to take the bigger units of light infantry because of the firing through ranks. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you're potentially talking anywhere between twenty, eh, sorry, fifteen, eh, probably thirty light infantry shots per unit yeah. that are now accurate. So it's basically an extra six inches of not more range, but just improved shooting over that extra six inches. We are not taking that extra modifier. Yeah, you just ignore the long range, so. For a lot of the time, that means that, like your handgunners, who you're not going to move them because they're unwieldy anyway, probably. So they're going to be hitting on fours. So say you've got even, say you've got a big unit in the middle and then two wings of uh, handgunners. So 15 each. So 30 total. So if they're firing at the same target, then 15 hits on average because you're hitting on fours. And depending on what you'd, what the, the target is, you're maybe getting I don't know, between 7 to 10 wounds, depending on what the target is, maybe even more. So stuff like elves, you got a unit swordmasters making their way towards this. Um, they're going to think twice, because that's going to pump out a lot of damage to especially Toughness 3 guys. What do you think of the change to on the double? Because there is a slight reduction there in movement, but not in march. Yeah, so because of the changes to the movement, um, the order is now plus 1 advance rate and plus 4 march rate. So that means that you're now super speedy marching, but you're not so fast just normal, because normally before it was just flat plus two movement unless you were charging. So you're now movement five, but you can march, so march eight, so 12, yeah, so it's the same as before. Yeah, so the only difference is your movement is reduced yeah, by one. which is fine. march I, the same picture as last time. I don't think that's a big deal. Um, it was always nice to give that order if you were running into a deployment zone for breakthrough or something like that. Yep. So it still fulfills the purpose, and because it's just plus one march rate, uh, sorry, plus one advance rate now, um, that works out the exact same for charges because it's your advance rate plus your dice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all the same. Um, one of the other additions to this, so sorry, the ranges are the same. So a character with orders, i.e., your BSB, um, can only give within six inches. Your general can give within twelve, um, and only models of standard size can be affected. Remember. Before we get onto it, um, the standard includes cavalry, and that'll come up in a wee second. Yeah, we mentioned the shaking mechanic as well. So, for the steady men order, that's going to come in really handy because I think you can attest to your guys filling leadership tests and running away. So being able to basically, (laughs) so being able to basically offset the new mechanic, which is going to have a big effect on those units that don't uh, make those leadership tests. So that's really, really cool. So for anyone that doesn't know, shaken, when you pass the leadership test, you count as being shaken. And there's, I think there's other things in the game now that can cause units to be shaken. But the big one is when you've just passed the test. So when you're shaken, you are minus one to hit in combat, you're plus one to be hit, and you can't perform any voluntary moves. Uh, so you can't shoot, you can't march. I don't think you can even move. I think you, it's just like before where you just reform and that you're basically stood there shitting your pants for a turn. So if you rally in an awkward position, which happens quite a lot, mm-hmm. um, but you're within order range, you can offset it slightly. And even if that buys you a turn to get your other stuff, 
realigned, then that's a it's a pretty big thing. I mean, you're mainly given this order for the additional D6 to make them cold-blooded, but um, that's a nice little change, given the change in the rules. Yeah, and it's quite fluffy as well. Makes sense for a kind of... Yeah, Marshall, Marshall verbally abusing a unit standstill. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the weapons, again, the weapons have been updated for 2.0, and the big change is the cavalry pick. So... The cavalry pick is now just a melee weapon. Attacks made with it gain plus two armor penetration, but it can't be enchanted with weapon enchantments. Um, the repeater gun is the same. Uh, range 24, three shots, strength four, AP2, unwieldy. Uh, the repeater pistol is still range 12, three shots, strength four, AP2, quick to fire. If you get the two pistols, you get four shots. Long rifle is range 48, shots 2, sorry, shots 1, strength 5, AP3, multiple wounds 2 against standard, unwieldy and accurate. Uh, the brace of pistols are range 12, shots 2, strength 4, AP2, quick to fire, and the count is paired weapons in close combat. So, on the most part, pretty much the same. Just adapted to the new strength and AP. Yeah. It's pretty much. I know that there were some people asking for changes to the long rifle. Oh, really? Yeah, because it doesn't really... Normally, if you take the art, or in 1.3, when you took the artificer, you normally just took him naked. Or you might give him, like, a handgun or a pistol, because a lot of the time he's standing still, or he's standing in a light infantry unit anyway. Uh, so there wasn't much reason to take the long rifle, uh, but they've, they've chosen to keep it the same. I don't think it's a big thing, but. I always thought that looked really good. Just being able to, like, especially against Cav, I thought that was quite a nice addition, just to kind of, even against, like, five man, ten man units, being able to maybe take one or two off just with one guy, potentially, is really good. Well, before, so in 1.3, the long rifle was 20 points, and now it's 15 points. Okay, so they have made it a little bit more attractive. So it is cheaper. I mean, the handgun's gone from, down from 12 to 5, so that's a big difference as well. Um, so I think you, you might see it a little bit more, but I don't. it's still not. It doesn't scream, take me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so no big okay. changes for the weapons. So, the hereditary spell. Big so changes. As most Big changes. Will, yeah, so, as most people should know, just for the magic spoilers, um, all the different armies uh, now come with their own uh, hereditary spell, which is unique to that army, which is very cool. So, Empire's hereditary spell is called Liberal Magics. And basically what this allows the wizard to do is select a number one spell from any of the other lores which that wizard would have access to but has not taken in this particular battle. So, for instance, if your wizard's taken pyromancy but could have taken divination, for its hereditary spell, it could theoretically take the number one spell from divination. Yeah. So, really nice. like Really, really uh, nice. Really cool spell. So, for the wizard... He can take... The lords we now have access to are Cosmology, which is the new addition. So we lost Thaumaturgy but gained Cosmology, which I think is an awesome trade-off. I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. No, it's definitely better. We still have Alchemy, we have Pyromancy, and we have Divination. So, just to run through the wizard levels. So if you're a wizard novice, you get the number one spell or the hereditary spell. So for novices, the, the hereditary, hereditary spell doesn't really make a difference. Um, for apprentices, you get spells 2 and 3 of that, the lore you choose, but you can swap one of those for the hereditary. So now you're starting to get into the combo areas where you could take alchemy, but get the fireball, because it's the number one spell from Pyro. 
and you've got an alchemical fire, which is still the attribute from alchemy. But the big, the big synergies, the big kahuna, is if you do the, uh, sorry, if you take the wizard master, because he gets the two, three, four, five spells from the lores, um, and he can swap the swap any of those for the number one spell of that lore, the number six spell of that lore, or the hereditary spell. So there is a lot of very tasty combos that you can now do with your Empire Wizards. I really like cosmology for this for this army. It's somewhat similar to divination, but because you have the flexibility within each spell to basically turn it on its head and basically cause damage instead of providing that buff. I think it's really nice because it gives you that extra means of inflicting damage and trying to level the playing fields a little bit more rather than just buffing your own guys. Mm. Um, I think it's really cool. And I think all the spells look really good in cosmology. Yeah. So I think that's definitely a strong choice. I mean, the thing is, the hardest thing you're going to have to do is choose because all four of the doors are really good. Um, And like you say, some of the potential synergies that you can get, I mean, there's nothing stopping you running multiple cheap wizards if you want to do that i think that's definitely a lot more attractive now with the changes to magic but i think with this army certainly needing the buffs to really compete in close combat i think the addition of cosmology is really nice yeah i think as well like i mean this is a general statement across the board it's not really an empire thing but because you know what you're getting in terms of magic or spells you can cater your magic selection to your playstyle. so if you want to go you know, multiple infantry blocks, you may be wanting to take alchemy or cosmology to keep those guys buffed up. If you want to go kind of gunliney or fast and shooty, something like, you know, what Felix ran with the multiple writer units, although that's a little bit nerfed now, but you can still do something similar. Um, you might want to take pyro just to get that extra bit of damage spells, um, or divinations, obviously. In previous editions has been the go-to for Empire, but it's probably been ousted now. But I definitely agree. I think cosmology and alchemy are the two really tasty options, I think, in terms of magic. Yeah, just comparing cosmology to divination, the one advantage that divination has is the ability to cast some of their spells via auras. Yeah. So you can simultaneously affect multiple units, whereas cosmology, you can't do that. I mean, that's a big thing as well, yeah. Because so often, because the Empire, you have to keep everything in your bubble. Uh, Mm. Your stuff's going to be close together anyway. So auras are... a nice way of getting that, that effect yeah. of the spell across the board. I really like the changes that you've got now. In terms of the, the changes to specifically to the book and having this extra spell, or this extra lore rather, I think um, it just makes the magic phase a little bit more exciting. I think you'll, people will probably look forward to this a lot more alongside the changes to magic just generally. Yeah. So I think this is something that's really cool. I really like what they've done. I think it's a statement that we've not even looked at the wizard's profile yet. We've not looked at his points or anything. And I would say that wizards are now not all included in Empire Armies. I don't, I don't, Just so flex. Yeah, I think because of that hereditary spell and because of the lords we have access to and the buffs that we need as an army to compete, I think that a wizard's now absolutely not included. And it's just whether, I don't know, if you, you maybe want to try out multiple low-level wizards or one big kahuna, but yeah, I think the, the way I was thinking about it was taking alchemy as... Like taking a wizard master, using alchemy as the lore, but taking the first spell from divination, which is know thy enemy. So plus two offensive skill, plus two defensive skill, and plus two agility. Mm-hmm. And with that, you also get the aura option. I mean, that's just bananas. 
yeah, it's really cool. And the, I mean, initiative or agility, as it's now called, is so huge in the game. So being able to buff that, and because of the the changes to some of the weapons, so spears in particular, because you have access to that in the book. Like spears, I think, are even more dangerous. Oh, absolutely. Because effectively, if you get that spell off, if you're charged with a spear, you're probably going to be going first. So you even be, against elite yeah. stuff. Agility seven. Bananas. Yeah, that's like because so cool. I, I noticed in the Armor Time podcast they um they've done a couple about two point and it's been really interesting listening to them talk about the role of the spear and particularly against elves. So now a lot of the time lower agility stuff is striking at the same time if they've got spears if they're charged. I mean that's a that's a massive deal for Empire because any Empire player will know the the heartache when you go up against elves. You get in combat with elves and on paper. You know, you should do damage to elves because you're wounding them on fours or threes normally, which is like <laughs> Empire never wound things on fours or threes, so it's really nice. <laughs> um, but they just decimate you before you get to attack. Whereas now, with your heavy infantry, at least, you know, you're striking at the same time, so there's huge potential to put a lot of hurt on certain armies, particularly elves. Uh, which is always a good thing, because elves should get their faces kicked in. Not as bad <laughs> as dwarves, so we were already hitting before dwarves, so... <laughs> Cool. So we move on to the special equipment. Let's do it. Cool. So we'll start off with weapon enchantments. Oh, there's so many sexy things here. So just as a general point, if this is kind of what it's going to be like for all the books, then this is a really good sign that they have put more thought into the individual armies with regards to their own unique equipment. So yeah. this is really good. Oh, one thing I should say before we get in. So talking to Ed about names, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> Apparently, the, the background team want everyone's feedback about the names of special rules and items. So, uh, a big part of the beta testing for 2.0 will be getting uh, feedback from not only the rules, but also the names and the kind of how it fits in with the background and things like that. So, Ed has threatened to rename our heredity spell Magical Diarrhea because I have made fun of the Equitane hereditary spell, which is called Breath of the Lady. Which is a bit creepy. Do you agree that's a shit name? I get where he's coming from. But the, <laughs> the problem with that name is people will rip into that. And because they have like the rule where she can like hang out in the back, second just, rank. Just breathing on people. <sighs> yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it's just not right. So yeah, basically if the 2.0 book comes out and their hereditary spell is called Magical Diarrhea, that's my bad. Um, and I'll apologise <laughs> for that when that happens. So keep in mind that in mind, sorry, when we talk about the uh, names for the items. Because if you think something's really cool or something doesn't sound as cool, I'm sure the background team would love to hear your thoughts on that. Cool. So, weapon enchantments. The first one is called The Light of Sunstall. This is a hand weapon enchantment. Attacks made with the weapon wound automatically always have AP 10 and magical attacks. So basically the same as the current Sunstall. Yeah, and it's 170 points, so same price. Pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, the only change there, and it makes sense... Um, is that they've changed it from the Sonstall to the Light of the Sonstall. So, I mean, the whole fluff for the Empire is that the Sonstall never leaves Avras. It never leaves the Temple. So why would multiple Marshals have, or multiple Knight Commanders have the, the Sonstall? It doesn't make sense from a fluff perspective. Uh, so the Light of is kind of like, I don't know, like a kind of Narso Flame of the West thing, where maybe it's a shard of the original Sonstalls. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along. This is official Empire <laughs> fluff now. Uh, <laughs> um, so basically, it's a, a, soul, a sword that's like the Sonstall, but not the Sonstall. But in game, okay. it does exactly the same thing. Cool. 
So yeah, pretty solid choice. Um, Still nice. I did mean, many people run that in 1.3? Um, I, mean, I know the, you did for a while. The big build was the um, Knight Commander. So you'd give the, yeah. the Knight Commander the Sonstall, um, the Lucky Shield, uh, the Potion of Swiftness, and either the 6-up ward or the reroll one failed armor save. And it made him pretty killy um, against the right things, but again, quite brittle, because he's really relying on his, his armor. Um, so uh, it's good fun to play with, but yeah. it's not, you know, meta-breaking, to use that word. Yeah, I okay, cool. So the first brand new weapon enchantment is called Death Warrant. Hand weapon enchantment. Attacks made with the weapon gain battle focus. So battle focus is when you roll sixes to is it sixes to hit? Produce yep. at one additional hit. Yeah. So pretty awesome. If a hit is scored with the weapon against an enemy unit, friendly models with parent unit or support unit also gain battle focus when attacking the same target in the same phase. So if you've basically got like a big clusterfuck going on with like multiple units attacking the same thing, that's potentially pretty scary. I think this is massive. I think that out of all the items, this is the biggest. Because it's 55 points. It's a hand weapon enchantment. So what you do is you put this on a marshal who's initiative 5. So he's going to be striking before all your normal dudes. He's going to get hit off. It's even more likely he's going to get hit off with hatred. And then he's given the unit he's in and any other units hitting into it, the, the battle focus. Yeah. The possibilities with this and like a, just a huge unit spear is insane. You put a prelate and a marshal in there with this, then you're rerolling to hit. Sixes are getting extra hits. You could just, if you roll fairly decent, you know, you could get bananas amounts of attacks in. Yeah, because, I mean, you're only having to score a successful hit. You're not even having to wound. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's really, really good. And it synergizes really well with hatred. To get the most out of it, you need to hit before the unit. And because it's a hand weapon, that's not really going to be a problem. I mean, I don't think it... I'm guessing... If it's on a character, I dare say he's going to go before the unit. Yeah. I mean, the the prelate is initiative... Uh, sorry, agility 4. So he would still go before heavy infantry. However, he would go at the same time as Imperial Guard with sword and shield. So I don't think they would get it because it's the same initiative step. I think they would need to strike before. So it would need to right. be a marshal for them. But I still think it's it's crazy good. If the Imperial Guard have got great weapons, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way around it. But I guess there's another thing in the book that might offset that. We'll get yeah, to that when that yeah. comes up. Um, so the third weapon enchantment is the Hammer of Witches. Again, it's a hand weapon enchantment. The bearer receives attack value 5, and when using the weapon, attacks made also gain battle focus, only against units with the channel special rule. So not quite as good as the previous one. And they also get magical attacks. Sorry, yeah, they always get magical attacks. Yeah, so that's 30 points. That is, you know, the the hammer which before was the hand weapon which you got lightning reflex season plus one strength. Which yeah. which was really nice and it would have been really nice in other armies. The issue in Empire was that it was 60 points so it was quite expensive and you were only getting a strength 5 dude. Which, it was okay, it wasn't great and, you know, for a couple more, you know, 20 points, you could have got the Ogre Sword. So I don't know why you wouldn't just do that. Yeah, probably just better things there. That's yeah. just... I, think... I don't know, I mean, reading this, it, I mean, I'm not reading that thinking I would definitely take it. However, there's a character in the book that you might want to give it to, which might synergize with one of its own roles. I mean, yeah, that's totally built for the Inquisitor. Yeah, I mean, the name is a bit of a giveaway, but... Yeah, I mean, 30 points. It's not that che- bad. It's cheap. 
Uh, the Inquisitor's main problem has always been that he's only got two attacks, which is yeah. why you had the uh, Exa Battle build before. Um, so this basically replaces that for half the price, um, and you're getting the bonuses against uh, Magic Casters, so it's quite fluffy. The issue is still that if you give it the, to the Inquisitor, you're still only going to be Strength 4. So it's very... I mean, you're really banking on the Lethal Strikes to wound, and then because then you get the uh, multiple wounds. But still, it's definitely a more viable build now because it's cheaper but it's still yeah. not you don't build your battle plan around it it's hilarious <laughs> if you like this is the type of thing i read in the book and i'm like how can i spend four thousand five hundred points around this one <laughs> <laughs> and make it the fluffiest shittest list possible oh, the, the new boys at the new hotness is your go-to tag yeah the new hot well the new hotness <laughs> is gone now because okay. that was what a 1.3 build and okay i've come up with the new uh 2.0 new hotness okay I was going to entitle my 2.0 EOS list the new hotness, but I don't think it's as good as the old hotness. Okay, so it's like middling hotness. Yeah, it's like kind of temperate hotness. <laughs> we should probably move on. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's still going to be funny um, when the Inquisitor like bitch slaps a dragon or something like that. Oh yeah, when he like rolls his two attacks yeah. and gets like two Absolute more attacks fucks. and then rolls and wins and or, gets. Like, yeah, does what Lorenzo did to me at Midlands and he fucking rolls four lethal strikes and just bleh. <laughs> see you later. He, E3 wins, oh, 12 wins or something ridiculous. See you later. <laughs> so yeah, it's nice. It synergizes well with the Inquisitor, but it's not really setting the world on fire. No, not really, but only 30 points. Yeah, it's, so it's nice to on. have, and it's another option. And one thing that I'm really against is cutting down on options because they're not seen as, you know, ultra-viable or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's still nice, and for fluffy games, like you say, you want the Inquisitor having something called the Hammer of Witches. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, it's cool. So, armor enchantments. Do you want to do these? Yeah. Probably my second favourite item is the new item, or reworked item, is the Imperial Seal, which is our new armor enchantment. Which is 90 points and can only be given to models on foot. And it's a plate armor enchantment. And it's essentially the armor of Frederick the Great. Because you, the wearer gains plus 3 armor, so if you're already in plate armor, that's giving you a 1-up. But, and crucially, you now also get plus 1 discipline but the wearer's unit cannot voluntarily flee as a charge reaction. I think this is massive because if you give this it is. to yeah yeah if you give it to a marshal, that's leadership ten. More importantly, if you give it to a prelate, that's leadership nine, which is the big thing. Before what you were what were you spending seventy points on the crown? Yeah, so you're having to get the one up armor anyway, which was ninety points, and then you're having to spend an additional seventy points to get the uh, the crown of autocracy. So now you're basically saving 70 points if you want to make your prelate the general on foot. Yeah. I mean, that's something I was doing towards the end of 1.3, was giving the prelate Armour Frederick the Great and the crown. Because I think you need leadership 9. Leadership 8 is just not re- re- reliable enough. Even leadership 9 is not reliable, I can attest to that, but it's more reliable. So I think this makes the, the foot prelate a nice option for general. And it, it actually makes the, the foot marshal very nice as well, because leadership 10 is very, very sexy. We should say that because it's a plate armor enchantment, obviously now prelates have access to. Yeah, yeah. Plate. Sorry. So yeah, prelates can now get plate armor, which is nice. Just really good. Yeah, I think. I mean, the voluntary flee. Like, how many times does? I mean, this is probably going to go in your general. How many times does your general unit normally flee? Probably yeah. never, because it's too risky. <laughs> and exactly. I mean, unless he was like maybe mounted, and there was like no reason to give your opponent that. 11 inch charge on the off chance he wants to make it yeah and he, i mean your mounted character can't even get this yeah. and he doesn't need to because he's already got a one up 
So exactly. And if you were on mounted, chances are you were never going to get caught because as soon as you flee, you're out with their charge range. Yeah. So this is really, I really like this item. Yeah, I really like it. Too. I was really surprised when I wrote this. I doubled. I think I did a double take. I was like, you get plus one discipline as well, like because they've effectively just given you what was 160 points for 90. Yeah, it's really really nice. And it's really in keeping with the book as well. Like I don't think it's unreasonable either. I think it's really fluffy and yeah. fits the book. I mean, you can give, you can put this on your general on foot, and then also take the dusk shield, which is the shield enchantment in the main rule book. So you give him a shield, you give him the dusk shield, which is now fifty points. So that's one hundred and forty points for one up rerollable leadership nine or ten, depending on the character, and you've still got sixty points to spend on a weapon. That's very, very, very nice. nice. Watch this, they'll probably change it when the book comes out. It'll be like, oh yeah, we realised that was too cheap. It's actually going to be like 140 points now. Yeah, I think if it was another army, it would <laughs> it would be too cheap. But because if you do that, that's a tank build. Like, he's not going to be able to pump out heart. I mean, marshals and prelates can't really do that anyway. Um, the, the knight commander can barely do that. But I think for Empire, it's very nice. Because really, 9 out of 10 Empire players just want their characters to survive. Because they need them for synergies. Like, no one expects your um, Empire characters to really do much damage. The Inquisitor and the Knight Commander are kind of a little bit more, you know, obviously fighty, but they're still not anything like a Minotaur Lord or anything like that. No. So, I mean, a lot of the time you just want that reliability in your characters to survive, and this really, really does that. So it's really nice, really like it. So the next uh, armor enchantment is uh, Caradon's Corsair. Um, which is 50 points, and it's for Knight Commanders and Marshals only, and it's a Barding enchantment, which is also very cool. It's very cool. Um, it's one use only, may be activated at the start of any friendly player turn, and for the duration of the player turn, all friendly models within 6 inches of the bear must re-roll failed charge ranges. Or, sorry, charge rolls. I like this for two reasons. The first being, do you know what a Corsair is? I want to say it's like the bit that you would put over the armour to make the armour look nice. It's actually a warhorse. It's a type of warhorse. Is it? Yeah. Shit. Wasn't people on uh, KOE asking for special mounts called? Yeah, well, KOE can suck my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why that sounds so familiar? I'm, like, I'm sure there was another army that was asking for that. Yeah, I think, that, right, okay. I think that's really cool that there's like a legendary horse. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, in-game... That's really cool. I mean, the the obvious when you're reading that rule, the obvious thing you're thinking is like put them in a knight unit or put them multiple knight units close together, and then you're charging, rerolling, blah blah blah. Actually, because of the the rule, um, the changes to line of sight, I'm now thinking mounted marshal behind infantry who's got that, and you can just give everything pop that within six, which is probably going to be your infantry line or most of your infantry line, and they're now rerolling charge ranges. Synergize that with the orders. Potential. Does that mean then that you have to also stick him in a unit to protect him from shooting because he's bigger than everything else? No, but he's not because he's standard. Ah, uh, of course. So he can see over because he's cav, because cavalry are tall, but things can't see him. Right, okay. Or sorry, things can see him, but they need to be higher up. So like cannons on hills will still see him. But okay. if you're on the same playing field, they won't be able to pick him out. Okay. I mean, it's 50 points. It's quite. It's re- It's a nice item, but it's one use only. 50 yeah, points you just use still. it as and when you really need those yeah. I don't know how popular it's going to be, because I think f- for 50 points there's other things that you would take. I mean, potentially, if you had a unit, say you're, you're running your Imperial Guard in the centre, and you've you've kitted it out, that's your hammer. Yep. If you give them the Strider banner, and he's sitting behind them, 
Oh yeah, that's that's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> now they're now they're re-rollable surf strike. Yeah. That's really scary. <laughs> yeah. Right up in your face. Especially now because you can stack banners. Yeah. So if you wanted to, you could stick the Strider banner. I mean, not you would do this. I mean, this is becoming a bit of a point sink, but you could put the Strider banner on the unit, and if your BSB is part of the same unit, if he's got the speed banner, super speedy. So yeah. pretty cool. Like I say, I mean, there's plenty of options there. I mean, yeah. The issue with that is that it's so fast that it would go charging off the field, and then your marshal's sit, <laughs> sitting there wondering <laughs> where everyone went. <laughs> and well, again, I mean, he's on a horse. He can he can catch up. Run away! <laughs> yeah. No, it's cool. I don't know how, how often we'll see it, but um, it's definitely a lot more feasible than the Stallion banner, which it's replaced. Because the Stallion banner yeah. was, um, you know, 30 points, only mounted characters. And it wasn't even that good because it was, I mean, it was within 12 inches and they reroll ones for charge, pursuit and overrun. Um, so it's obviously smaller but better effect. I mean, for, for Cav, it's really good. But even if you're running an infantry heavy list, just getting that extra level of insurance. Yeah, so. sure. If yeah. you need a 7 or an 8, you're like, that's kind of risky, but I've got a reroll. So that becomes a lot more doable then. Yeah, and so much so I think of, it's really good. Yeah, so much of like, heavy cavalry's game is dependent on that first charge. Because normally, I mean, if you know what you're doing with your heavy cav, like, they're only charging things that they will kill in one turn, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So, And once you get past that unit, then you're in the back lines, not most of the time anyway. So it's really just that first charge that's super important to make sure that you get in behind and then after that the opponent has to react so there's a lot more things going in your favor so i think if you if you were taking a a kind of hard-hitting knight unit with a character in it it's a shout i think it i think it's probably too expensive i think 50 points is too expensive for what it is yeah i don't know i mean if, if it's the difference between getting a charge off and not and winning a combat i mean you're getting the extra initiative now or the extra agility to be charge. So, I don't know. I can I, I see what you mean, 50 points. The other thing to point out is it's a burning enchantment. It is, yeah. So it's not eating into your armor or shield enchantments. Exactly. So this can stack with a plate armor enchantment or a shield enchantment. Yeah. Or all three, because I don't think you're limited for your armor. I think it's just you're only limited to how many armor pieces you've got. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So it is nice. The good thing, yeah. good thing about this as well is... If you're running an EOS character on a horse, chances are if you give him a shield, he's going to be at a one-up anyway. Yeah. So you don't really need that extra point investment to get him to a one-up. Yeah, sure. So you've got those points left to give him things like this, which is really nice. And I think it does that kind of the mounted prelate at the back. That I mean, that's something I always wanted to try in 1.3. I think I did try it once, actually, and it didn't work at all. Um, because I think it, it looks really cool on the table having just like your characters riding about behind your infantry, like giving orders and things. Um, the issue was that they just got targeted because you will roll ones eventually, or you will take a cannonball to the face eventually. Um, so with the changes to line of sight and this giving a nice kind of area buff, um, it's nice. I, I think I might, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, the thing to do with the army, but, um, I'll probably give it a shot. I think it'd be quite cool. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. worth a go. Yeah. So the next one is uh, Black Steel, which is the new name given to the Black Helm. Except from it's not a helm anymore because helms have been removed. So it's 45 points, so a bit more expensive. Um, it's a plate armor enchantment. It gives you plus one armor and fear, so just like it did before. But if you're on foot, you get an additional plus one armor. So it's really good. So, so it's really again, good. Again, a marshal on foot with a shield with this is at one up. Yeah. Again, I think this is a nice. It's a nice buff because it kind of encourages you to take foot characters. Which again keeps Empire away from the KOE ground of Cavalists. I know there's Empire guys out there that play Cavalists, and I know they'll probably be hit 
more than others by the changes uh, to the book. But I think it's nice. Um, Are you trying to talk about yourself in the third person? <sighs> well, I didn't really. <laughs> Nightly or- we'll get to Nightly Orders, but um, I, d- I never played All Cav Empire. You'd really wanted to, though, didn't you? I really, if I had enough nights, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I love nights. Like, proper nights, though, not KOE nights. This is something that Ed doesn't get. Like, KOE nights are just meh. It's Empire Nights, that's where it's at. Not anymore, but it used to be. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's still really nice. It's still good on mounted characters, because fear is just an awesome rule to have. Especially um, in your army, which is susceptible to stuff like that. Yeah, so, I mean, given a foot prelate, uh, sorry, even, oh yeah, a foot prelate or a, a marshal, this gives them a two up armor and fear. That's just, and then they take a, a shield, then they're at one up. So there's a lot more like easy ways to get to a one up on foot which is really nice for the army, because again, it goes back to that thing about keeping your characters alive. So the next one is the Witchfire Guard, which is 45 points, and it's a shield enchantment. Bearer gains Aegis 5+, plus against magical attacks, and miscasts suffered by enemy units within 12 inches of the bear gain a plus 1 miscast modifier. What's your thoughts on that one? It's not earth-shattering. I mean, the plus 1 miscast modifier is potentially quite hilarious yeah. to really piss off your opponent, but quite situational. Against magical attacks, I don't know. And it's only the bearer. It's not the bearer in each unit. Yeah. I guess if you've got maybe something mounted, it's maybe a better target for spells. It's quite nice. Because you're basically giving them a 5-up ward, and it's a shield enchantment, so you're not eating into your uh, artifacts, mm. uh, points and stuff. So that's all right. I mean, I so, guess you could do some janky things, like give a, put them on a Pegasus or a Griffin, and have them flying about, take them from magic missiles a little bit. Well, he's probably going to have a 4-up ward or 4-up region anyway. Um, and then you can kind of hover about wizard bunkers, just waiting for them to miscast. But that's—I don't think that's a very effective <laughs> way of using the points. No, yeah, I don't think this is going to get taken. I think it's yeah, too expensive. I, just, I don't and think the it's going to get good taken. Enough. It's definitely not an item that jumps out the page. It maybe be something that reveals itself to be amazing when it's actually getting tested, depending on how much magic there is flying around. It's nice, but again, I—I—I I, I don't think it's going to be the most popular. Yeah, choices. I think it either needs a better effect or it needs to be a lot cheaper because just now it's not it's not doing anything. Yeah, maybe if it was like thirty points. Even that, I, I'm not better. taking it for thirty points. It would no, need to be like ten points for me to take it. Not on a solo character flying around. No, because if you do that, you're going to give them a better ward save or a special save anyway. I guess it depends. I mean, it depends on what you want the character to do, I yeah. suppose. I think it would be really funny to put him on the Pegasus and just fuck with uh, wizards, <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't think that's effective use, but you know. No, it's not whatever. really. If that's how you get your shits and giggles, do it. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, the the last um, armor enchantment is the shield of Volmond. Volmond, not Volmond. Voland. Voland. Yeah. God damn it, no M. Uh, it's thirty points. It's a shield enchantment. Uh, While well, using the shield, attacks against the bear with lethal, lethal strike and or battle focus lose these attack attributes. So it's basically the same as it was with the addition of battle focus. It's the same points, I think. Oh no, it was 35 for the play armor of Almond. Of Almond. Yeah, so it's 30, so it's a little bit cheaper. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, sticking it on something that's mounted, you don't have to worry about lethal strike. That's nice. Um, I mean, spears don't get lethal striking against Cav anymore. But just like, you know, elite troops that maybe have it included yeah. as a base rule. I think, I mean, and shit. you maybe put it on a challenge deny, denier character. Mm hmm. That could maybe work, but 
Yeah, kind of similar to before. I don't think it's going to be the kind of default choice. No. Um, depending on what build you've got and how you want to use the character, maybe it's going to be more useful. And yeah. everyone's kind of meta's different. If you're running into a lot of stuff with these base rules, then it's going to be useful. It's only 30 points. It's not that much. Yeah. It's You're obviously not getting the additional armor save that you were before, because before it was plate, but I mean, more was, characters yeah. in the book can take plate anyway. That was it. So, because before... Um, it was popular with prelates, just so the prelates could get play armor. Exactly. Um, whereas now you're not really getting that. It's five points cheaper, but yeah, I think you might be able to do something like a, a challenge denier or a dual denier, as it's now known. Um, but it doesn't. Again, it doesn't scream take me. And I think stuff yeah. like the the imperial seal and the black steel are just you know far superior armor choices. Yeah, I guess if you don't have the points for special save, and you're purely relying on armor, then being impervious to lethal strikes is a big deal. Yeah. Like you say, you're not necessarily going to come up with a lot of models that have it, but knowing your luck, you do, and it's what fucking kills your general or whoever it is riding about in a horse, because yeah. you know they, get, they roll three sixes and you're dead. Like so. you say, it depends on the, the kind of the armies that you're coming up against in your, your local area. Because, you know, there are, I mean, vampires, for example... I've got access to a lot of lethal strike in their book. So if you're coming up against vampires a lot of the time, that's maybe something that you want to take. Whereas if you're coming up against, I don't know, Sylvan Elves don't really have lethal strike, so a little less intimidating. Yep. So yeah, cool. Right, artifacts. So, artifacts, I'll do these. So first one, Winter Cloak for 90 points. Better against distracting, ages 5 up and fireproof. Basically the same as it was before. Yeah, it's a little bit cheaper because it was 100 points before. Okay, that's good. Um, um, I like it. I mean, it's still the issue is is that it's so expensive that you could just get a, or in the past you could just get a a ward save. Um, just now, I'm just trying to find out how much the uh, like special saves are. Like the talismans. Yeah. Talismans are about the same. Yeah, so you can't get the four up ward anymore, or the four up um, aegis. The best you can get is a five up, and that's fifty points. Yeah. So, which is about the same. Yeah, I mean, so really, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, because that's pretty good now. On a guy on a horse, you're going to be a one up. Yeah. Between barding and plate and shield, minus protection, you're now minus one to be hit, and you're getting the five up included, which that in and of itself is very good. And fireproof, situational, but if there's a lot of pyromancy flying around, pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, Again, for a solo character that can be targeted with magic, yeah, that's nice insurance. You can get for armor enchantments in the main book. Um, there's the living plates which are 90 points and that's regen 4 plus and plus 1 armor and that's the same yeah. cost so actually yeah I think the main issue with it before was that why not just get the uh, 4 up ward whereas now because that's not not on the table anymore yeah no thinking about it that's going to see more action now yeah especially on your, you know your griffin lords cool yeah cool. that's cool distractions are really nice role. it is and it's a big deal for uh, weapon skill 5 especially because if you go up against super killy stuff you know, yeah, it's hitting I mean, you on threes, it's back up to fours. So Yeah. Or even being hit on threes rather than twos is nice. Yeah. If, if you're going up against like Chaos Lords and stuff. Yeah. What is the so, Dark Gods, Paul? Jesus. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Next item is the lock up sooner. Yep. Which um, is exactly, exactly the same. same yep. was. Is it the same points? Yep, seventy points. Yep, same. So quite nice. It's kind of like the impact the uh, EOS version of um the Orc and Goblin item. Yeah. I mean, the the good thing now is that you can 
I think you can customize your characters a bit more to make them, you know, those dual deniers. So yeah. it's okay. I mean, again, it's a bit situational because there's always the issue that you challenge and they just feed you a champion and mm-hmm. you don't really get the most out of it. But there's certainly ways around that. I know that there's guys in the forum that use the locket all the time. So I don't think it needed changed. I thought it was it was a good price for what it was. I mean, it's not the cheapest thing in the world. It's not, no. So I guess for a lot of people, they would rather spend the extra 10, 20 points and just make the person a tank. Yep. I would be inclined to agree with the latter and not bother with this because, like you say, it's somewhat situational. Yeah, and it's harder for us to be killy. But... Yeah. Next item is Exemplar's Flame, which is wizards only. It's a dominant item. You can choose a single parent unit after spell selection, so pretty much the beginning of the game. The start of any friendly melee phase, if the bearer is in 18 inches of the chosen unit, the controlling player may choose to discard a single veil token from their veil token pool to grant all rank and file models in that unit lethal strike and magical attacks until the end of the phase. So you basically select the unit during the game. If your wizard is within 18 inches, you can give that unit lethal strike and magical attacks. What do you think? The fact that it's wizards only, dominant and 60 points is a big limiter on it. But I think, you know, it needs a big limiter because it's a good item. I'm not a huge fan of it because I think it encourages it encourages players to take the uh, Imperial Guard Death Star kind of thing with all your characters in there and all the buffs and all the banners and stuff like that. And I don't think that's really a way that Empire should play. Whereas No, because it's like you said earlier, it's an army that relies on your characters. If you stick them all in one place, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I mean, it's still risky because Imperial Guard, they're good, but they're not, you know, they're not uh, earth-shattering, so... No, they're not Swordmasters or Chosen or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're still good for what they are, but... Yeah, I'm I'm not... I don't know. I might be wrong. I I don't really... I, I don't really like it, to be honest. I think you need to throw this on a big unit. So yeah, increasing your probability of rolling with sixes. If you need to, sp- if you need lethal strike to win that combat, I don't think you're going to win the combat in the first place. In which case, you shouldn't be in there. Mm. So I don't really like it. I don't think I would ever take it. I think it's. I think because it's dominant as well. I think because... you're limited to that one unit as well. Yeah, I mean, if you were putting your wizard in a bunker behind, like your infantry line, then I think it would get taken. But because it's dominant, I think. I think almost everyone's going to take the uh, the Tome of Arcane Power, or whatever it's called now. I have a... What's that one? So, the the book's been removed. Oh, is this the, is this the, the buff to cast? It's the, it's the new book, yeah, where you get plus one cast, and I think that's going to be massive now. Especially because you don't get your pluses if, if like, only wizards get their plus... Uh, wizard masters, sorry, get their pluses. So I think most yeah. people will take that, and even stuff like um, your special save, so your five up, is a, is a talisman, so... Yeah, I don't really like this. I think there's better stuff you can take. I think if you take this, you're taking it for a game plan, and that game plan is probably Imperial Guardista. So, I don't know. I, I you know, probably try it out, because I think it is quite cool, but I don't think I don't think it's going to be massive. Okay. And I, I, like uh, I said, I don't like the Death Star thing anyway, so... Next okay. one. Mantle of Galore, 35 points. Enemy units in 6 inches or better do not gain plus 1 agility for charging momentum. This is nice. This is awesome. I like this. Yeah. Big spear block. Exactly. I think, yeah, if you take this, it's for the spears. Big old unit of spear. They're getting the plus two if they get charged, and your opponent isn't getting the plus one. That probably means you're striking before a lot of elves, uh, which is really nice. 
So yeah. I would imagine there's going to be a lot of these on BSBs or prelates and spear units. Very nice. And 35 and points spears is cheap, are, so. are, are quickly becoming the default weapon choice. Yeah, they already were. Um, but I think even like because of that plus two, if they get charged, especially for Empire, because it's very rarely that you want uh, your heavy infantry to go on the offensive. Most of the time you want them to hold back. So you're actually okay with them getting charged a lot of the time. And now you actually want them to get charged. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if I'm like running it. like a, a heavily mounted Wars of the Dark Gods army, and you're running like a wall of spears, and you've got shit like this on characters, that's not nice. Yeah. I, it's going to be really difficult for me to get into a favourable combat. And it's units within six as well. It's not just the unit. I think I, I can imagine yeah. that getting changed, actually. <laughs> I can... I can foresee that getting changed to just the unit. Uh, I guess it depends, because it's on a character, where that character is in the unit. If people are running this with the character, you put that character towards the end, on the corner then? Because if he's in the middle, then you're kind of denying yourself range on that ability. Unless you go bus. Oh yeah, I suppose if you're in yeah. bus, I was thinking if they were in hold, but then I guess you don't really need to go. I don't know, range. yeah, I don't know if Heavy Arms chair really going to be in horde anymore, or line, because you don't get the rank bonuses. So Okay. And there's banners now in the main book that give you more static combat res, so I think that, <laughs> yeah. that plays into... And they stack, right? Yeah, so you can take multiples, so yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Heavy Infantry will <laughs> remain fond friends with uh, static That's... combat res. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Talking of banners... Banners? Uh, Banner enchantments, so I'll, yeah. I'll do these. Okay. So, the Household Standards is the first of the new banners. This is really cool. If the general is part of the bearer's unit, its commanding presence range and the range within which it can issue orders are both increased by six inches. This is really cool. It's really good. It's really empire I really like it. Yeah. A big complaint on the forums has always been that the bubbles that we have to operate in are too small. A lot of the time there's six or 12, and even the, tw- I mean, the 12 inch is obviously a lot better, but even 12, you're very limited as to what you can do. Whereas now, Commanding Presence is the new Inspiring Presence, so that's your General. So you pop this on your General's unit, he's got 18 inch Inspiring Presence. Yeah, and I think, um, like, other armies could do that in 1.3. I think it makes sense that this armies can do yeah. it. So you, it ties in really nice with yeah. the kind of aesthetic. I don't know how you want to play this, but you could even do it like having like a cavalry unit at the back, having your mountain marshal again, just like a buff marshal, just riding about at the back, giving his bubble. Or you could actually just have like a command unit that sits behind your main battle line. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe you just do what we've always done and just put them in the front unit. But I like it. It's really good. Uh, yeah. I, either way, it's. I mean, even having it in a on a character or in a a unit with your character that's actually riding around the battlefield. I mean, 18 inches is... Yeah, it's big. Really nice. That was always a big reason to take the Griffin, was just for yeah. the 18 inches, because it, it does, it helps a lot. And because you don't need line of sight for orders, you can sit at the back if you want, and still give out the orders. So it's really good. It's 50 points, so it is basically a standard unit's allowance, but I think that's a fair price for what it is. Yeah, that's a steal. I mean, yeah. considering, like, before the most expensive kind of 50-point banners... For core units, at least, were like the speed banner, which was fifty points. Yeah, Thank so you. yeah. this I, is much better than a speed banner. I mean, it, I mean, you obviously put it on your command unit or your unit with your general, but I think that I, I really like it. The eighteen-inch orders and inspiring presence is really yeah. nice. The next banner is banner of unity. So it's parent thirty-five yeah. points. Thirty-five points. Yeah. This is parent units only. So there is a limitation here. 
old name Nuru, yep. whenever the player's unit is targeted by an order, an additional order can be given for free to a single support unit within six inches of the player's unit. So on a unit with like a great tactician kicking about, yep. being able to shout free orders, really nice. I think this is this banner is nice because it, it feeds in well with the household standard. And it also feeds in with, you know, just orders generally and especially the new support bit where your support units automatically get fighting extra rank. Yeah. Because a lot of the time your orders were going on fighting extra rank for your support units or um, the uh, discipline one. So I think this gives you a lot more flexibility in the orders and it gives you a lot extra order or extra order movement. That was, sorry, that poor way to phrase it, like more flexibility in the orders that you give out. So great tacticians, before, they could issue a maximum of two orders, is that right? Yes. So with this, you could have big block in the middle, two support units on either side, and he's able to give All orders to each of those units. Yeah. So you could be given accurate to your, your uh, firing squads on either side of your Imperial Guard, or if you're running like multiple units of Horde guys, you could be given additional fight and extra rank, or yeah. additional, like if your army's falling apart and... You've got multiple units fleeing, then you can give out multiple steady men's in one phase. Mm. So it's really cool. It's really nice. I think you know we're building up a really clear picture of the degree to which the new book is really going to be based on these synergies, which I think is really nice. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of different options, and they all seem very good. I mean, a big yeah, a big issue with the 1.3 was that the army, you know, was still built in synergies. It still needed it to those things to work for it to do well. But a lot of the time, because you were limited to the the bubble you had to operate in and the reliability of those things, um, it often fell apart quite easily. Whereas now, because you're getting, you know, more discipline, bigger bubbles, more orders, better orders, better support units, I think basic Empire play will be, you know, that will receive a big buff. Yeah. And then the nice, next V banner is nice as well. Only 10 points, the Marksman's Pennant, so another new banner. Bader's unit does not suffer the minus one to hit penalty for stand and shoot charge reactions. Yeah. Very cool. It's nice, yeah. So you obviously just, as well. yeah, you just pop that on a um a big unit of light infantry that's on one of your flanks, makes them a bit more uh, reliable and shooting stuff coming in. I mean, you can't double this one up, so you can only take one of these. Um, I think it would be nice if you could double up, but I can yeah, I can understand why at ten points they're not doing that because I think everyone would do that. Yeah, you would just stick them on all your support units, yeah, hang gunners, <laughs> and just say, "Come on at me," because I'll shoot yeah. your shit. I'm going to shoot you with accurate, and then I'm not going to take the minus one yeah. to hit you for standing shit. I mean, this all yeah. plays into kind of general fear that I've got for the army, but we'll probably talk about that at the end. Yeah. Um, but it's nice, 10 points. Um, yeah. I think a general feeling on the forum was that we would have liked more banners, because it's quite fluffy, and it fits in well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all three of those banners are really good, and all three of those banners will be taken, which is which is really good. Um, yeah. I would pr- maybe have liked another one or two, just for fluff reasons, but I think overall our special items are now very nice. And there's, like we say, there's only a couple that we can't really see much of a use for. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I think it would have been nice if there was a couple more banners. But on the whole, there are more magical items. The vast majority of them seem not only useful, but very good. I think a lot of armies would like to have this kind of stuff. And it's all very fluffy. Yeah. It's really cool. So I think it's. I think a lot of people are going to be happy with this for different reasons. Yes, yeah, I agree. Right. Well, we get into the meat and bones. Yes. Right. So characters are first up. So our army organization has stayed the same. So max forty percent characters. 
at least 25% core, no limit on our special, 35% for Imperial Auxiliaries, max 20% for Imperial Armoury, and max 30% for Sunus Fury. So, exactly the same as what it was. Um, and our first character, as always, is the Marshal, who is the same points cost, he's still 160, same stats, so it's now advanced for March 8, Discipline 9, 3 health points, 5 defensive skill, 4 resilience, standard 4 up armor save because of the plate armor, 3 attacks, 5 offensive skill, uh, 4 strength, 1 AP, and 5 agility. So exactly the same as he was before. We've retained the ability to get a free standard bearer, which is, you know, that's a big thing for Empire. So I'm glad we, we kept that. I know a lot of armies are very envious of that. So yeah, you've still got that. Um, magical equipment, you can take up to 200 points worth if you are not the BSB, 100 if you are. Um, one thing I've really liked throughout the entire book is that they've made all points that I've seen zeros or fives. So a shield is now five points where it used to be six. So that means that my wargaming OCD is sated. <laughs> because it's so annoying when you get like 4,491 points and you can't find anything to fill the gap. Yeah. Or even uh, 10 points. Like, because before there was really only maybe one or two like items. Maybe yeah. like a banner or like a magical piece of equipment that was maybe 10 points. So now this is the difference between taking a shield, not taking a shield... Maybe a, a slightly better weapon if you didn't have quite the points for it before. So yeah, yeah it's good. Um, so the shield's five. Um, the melee weapons he has are paired weapons, great weapon, halberd, lance. And it's five for paired, ten for great, ten for halberd, ten for lance. Uh, you can take a pistol where he's hitting on a two plus normally for five points, which is nice because it used to be 12, so it used to be quite pricey. Whereas now it's a nice little addition that you can throw on him. Um, great tactician has gone down from 60 points to 55 an Imperial Prince um, has gone down from 180 to 175. So five points reductions on both of those. Um, they both do exactly the same thing. So for Great Tactician, you can only take one per army, but you can give out two orders. And for the Imperial Prince, um, you get the plus one attack, you get the Light of the Sun stall, an extra 50 points equipment, and you can also take the Dragon, which is now 475 points as opposed to 520. So he's a bit cheaper as well. Um, the mounts, I think this is quite a big change actually, and I think it's something that's maybe flown under the radar. So a horse is now 70 points, but that includes his barden, which isn't a big deal for the um, for the marshal, but it's a big deal for the prelate, because the prelate's horse used to be super expensive. It used to be 90 points for the horse, so now it's just 70, and it's 70 for the prelate as well. Uh, the pegasus is uh, 90 points, and the great griffin is 200. So both of those have seen... Price reductions. The Pegasus used to be 140, so that's a 50-point reduction, which is pretty big. Um, and the Great Griffins dropped 20 points. Cool. So he's largely stayed the same with little points drops here and there. Um, I would like to see the Great Griffin probably be a little bit more cheaper, because I still think 200 is probably a little bit too much for him. Just looking at his... He stayed the exact same as he was. Yeah. He's Did, still good in combat. He's still good, but it's the not giving anything to your armor. Yeah, I don't get that. I think that's just a general thing. There's other armies, they have that problem as well. Like I know in the Warriors book, if you take a Manticore, that doesn't give you any additional armor. Yeah. Which I don't really understand when there's other mounts in books which are smaller, and yet they're given plus two to armor. And I think, it's yeah. A massive thing. I think it's to I, stop these like super mobile killy characters. But especially for like us, so Empire, that's not really what we were using the Griffin for. 
we're using it for the tower and presence bubble and it to be like a nice little you know counter charge or into stuff or war machine hunter or whatever in the later stages of the game but you know i understand why it is what it is um 200 points is still okay for it i just don't think it's not a good deal i don't think so i don't think you'll see it the 90 points for the pegasus though potentially we could see a return of the old 8th edition captain on pegasus riding about the place so it'll be interesting to see if folk take that up is that just because it's cheaper now yeah so 90 points i mean that's a big points drop 50 points so you know 160 even if you just give him a lance so say you give him a lance and shield so it's 175 it's 105 255 is that right so yeah that's all right for a mobile war machine hunter see resilience four yeah I don't think the Pegasus gives you any... Let me see. It gives you mounts protection one. Oh, it does. Okay. So you could get a two-up armor. Yep. Actually, you could take I... items, which you, if you wanted to make them more expensive, but I would probably try and keep them as cheap and cheerful as you can. So, yeah. I mean, it's still... I don't know. It'd be cool if you see him, a return of the Pegasus captain, but or Pegasus Yeah. Marshall. We were talking a lot about off-air, just, you know, the uh, magic resistance might have been a nice addition for the Pegasus, kind of similar to what they've got for the Unicorn. I'm yeah, I think yeah. If he'd stayed the same and magic resistance, he'd got sorry, he'd gotten some magic resistance. I think he, he'd definitely be within the shower seeing him. But especially if you give him that shield, it gives him the the ward save against magical attacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, it do, again, it doesn't scream take me. I think it would be cool to see some Pegasus marshals flying about the place. And against some lists, you know, they're good. Against others, they're terrible because they can't really do anything. But um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. But overall. Still solid, does what he does. He's not going to kill things outright, but he's not really there to do that. He's there for uh, his buffs and stuff like that. So, yep. all good. So, next character is the Knight Commander. Sure is. Do you want to take this 200, one? Yep, 200 points. He is Discipline 9 now. Was he 8 before? Uh, no, he's always been 9. He's always been 9? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why that's blue on our so, copy. They're just playing with us, they're just pretending that's a change and it actually yeah, Try to catch me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, um, I dare say the rest of his stats are what they were before. He's, yeah, he's exactly the same points, as he was. Defensive skill, offensive skill 6, so better than the marshal. Still resistance 4. He's coming with 2-up armour, because of the plate armour, barding and mounts protection. Regular horse, strength 4, AP 1, agility 6, 4 attacks. He has new rule, though. Well, an adjusted rule called First Knight, which is universal. When the model is joined to a unit of knightly orders, the unit gains Fearless. And if the model is the general, the unit also gains Parent Unit. Yeah. Which potentially could lead to some shenanigans. Yeah. Um, when this was announced on the forum, it kind of got a bit lukewarm response. Um, there were some guys that were like really excited about this. You know, the idea of basically putting light infantry wings on either side of your cab bus and it forces your opponent to make those kind of longer charges or at least whether firing to get into charge range at which point he's probably in charge range of you um which is nice but i'm not convinced that because knightly orders now have been removed from the book and they're now the upgrade for electoral cav i'm not convinced that knight units will have the punch to really take advantage of that um, but because they are parent units, you can give them orders. So you can do some nice stuff like fight an extra rank. Could potentially be very nice on them. Yep, and they also gain fearless as well, which yeah. is nice. That was a, always a huge issue with knightly orders, as they were. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that was your main uh, issue. Th- that was my main. I mean, I love knightly orders, but uh, they really suffered from not having a unit psychology anymore. 
they were just, I mean, they're really designed to take out hard-hitting stuff and monsters. You know, mm. just pumping out strength six hits on the charge, but the amount of times that you charge in, you're minus one for the fear, so you're down at leadership seven if you don't have any characters in there. Even if you've got a character, you're probably down at seven or eight, um, and then that's like a 50-50 chance you fail that fear chest and you do fuck all to wherever you're hitting. So that's a really nice addition. Um, I'm just not convinced that the, the calf units are really going to be able to take advantage of the, the parent mechanic, um, but the fearless is nice. Yeah, I could understand it more if you could use like um, five-man units of just the regular core guys as support units. Like, yeah, for counter-charges. That, that might be yeah. pretty tasty, but... I think that there's a risk then that it becomes too good. Cause then yeah, which is probably why they didn't yeah. go down that road. Uh, but yeah, they might come out of, I mean, you got a slight price drop as well. He's 10 points cheaper. Yeah, and he is like a little bit more killy than the Marshall. Yeah. And he's getting a horse as well, so you're not paying for that. Yeah, so he's um, he can take 200 points, shield for 5, lance for 20, cavalry pick for 10, halberd for 15, great weapon for 15, and he can replace his horse uh, with a young griffin for 20 points, so 10 points cheaper. So yeah, he's, he's still the closest thing to a fighter character we've got. Um, I mean, just looking at him, I'm still thinking Sonstall. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to try out that first night rule. I'm not convinced it's going to work, but it could be very nice. Felix is quite... Um, I was talking to Felix this morning, and uh, he seems quite optimistic about it. He likes this idea of a big cavalry bus fighting an extra rank. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, the list I came up with, I had a block of knights with this guy in there. The intention would be that you're buffing it with magic, and you're using it to grind stuff down. So kind of similar to, like, if you can get them to strength 5... Because they're AP3, the upgraded knights. That's pretty good. Yeah. But it's the strength 5 that you would need. Yeah, because strength 4 is not up. enough. Yeah. No, um, you need the strength 5. Potentially, I'm sure there are builds that can make it work, but it's a heavy point, points investment. and it's a, Yeah, that's it. At what point do you just say to yourself, no, I'm just going to get Imperial Guard to do the same job? Yeah. So it's if you really like running knights, if you want a fast list, then possibly. But again, I, I suppose... With most Empire lists, you are relying on some sort of buff going off. So It's kind of um, a thing. Yeah, so, I don't know. I don't think it's quite as risky as it was. Well, not necessarily as risky. I think it's the same amount of investment as it was before to make it work. But, as you say, you don't have core knights as their own entity now. And special knights. It's kind of all been rolled into one. So Yeah, so it's all core now. Yeah. So next up is the prelate. Um, he's essentially stayed exactly the same as he was. Um, he's retained Channel 1, which is nice now, especially given the Veil tokens. Yep. Um, he's still got Divine Attacks. The big thing is that you can take Plate Armor for an extra 20 points. The You can take a horse for 70, so that's 20 points off. So that's a bartered horse, 20 points off. Um, 1.3 taking a horse for Barden, which is nice. Um, and the other battles remained at 400 points. So, I mean, the other battle is exactly the same as it was, I believe. I'll just double check. Yes, you can't take Barden on it anymore, but you would just take Play Armor. But apart from that, it's exactly the same. So it's still... Some people really like the altar. I've never really seen the appeal. I think it's too expensive. But I know Michael likes it, so... Yeah, I like the idea of a guy running around on like a pimp wagon, dishing out bubble hatred. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, we were saying that you can't get a 4-up ward through talismans. This still gives you the 4-up Aegis save. Yeah, so you could make a, you know, you can easily get to 1-up 4-up. Yeah. Which is now quite rare. 
So, Age resilience five, five HP points. So potentially tanky against yeah. the right things. Again, it depends on how you want to run the list. It's, yeah, exactly. Four hundred yeah. points. That's a lot. I think the the bubble blessing is nowhere near as effective as it was um, because just I think how bound spells work. Bound spells work because yeah, you you still would need to take a wizard to kind of give that double threat, and I think that's when it starts getting very expensive um, if you take the altar. But for guys that like the altar, you know, it's still you know viable. Uh, so it'll be yeah. interesting to see um, if anyone comes up with anything particularly tasty, but. Um, on the face of it, the prelate stayed exactly as he was, which is good, because 160 points. I know a lot of people just take him for the hatred. Um, and yeah. he's, he's still worth it. 160 points for the hatred. Now you can give him, you know, 185 and give him a, a three up armor save, which is nice. So yeah, I, I think that the play armor is the big thing, and that was much needed. It didn't make any sense that you couldn't do it. Uh, so yeah, I like, I like a lot. Cool. So moving on, wizards. So, base wizard, 125 points. He, stat-wise, hasn't changed, I don't believe. Nope, exactly the same. So, so this is obviously for the, uh, <laughs> so this is obviously for the wizard apprentice we're talking about. Yeah. He can become a wizard adept for 75, or he can become the big granddaddy wizard master for 225. So it's a big jump. It's a big jump. He, if he does go wizard master, you can increase your uh, points for magical items to 200, so comes at 100 standard. He can get access to light armor now, which is nice. So now you can actually bring yep. armor enchantments. Yeah, which is a big thing. Yeah, it's really good. And he still has access to horse, Pegasus, Great Griffin, and Arcane Engine for. I don't know if these points are any different. Andrew, do you know if these are any um, so I guess the horses is coming barding again, so that's So yeah, that's a big good. big thing. Um it's you know, so it was twenty points before, but now you're obviously getting barding. Uh, the Pegasus was eighty before, it's eighty now. The big thing is that he doesn't need to be a wizard master to take the Pegasus, which is quite nice. Um I can definitely see wizards floating about on Pegasus. Uh the Great Griffin was hundred and sixty five, so so fifteen points off there. Um, and the arcane engine, I think this is the biggest one. So it was already cheaper to put your wizard on an arcane engine because the arcane engine was 280 points, I think, before, um, and it was 245 to take it as a mount for the wizard. Now it's 220, so that's even cheaper, which is nice, especially yep. now because, and I'm reliably informed by Felix who's worked this out, you can now take a a three-up, four-up wizard on the Arcane Engine because you give them the regen armor. Yeah, well, I mean, the Arcane Engine is giving you mounts protection too. Yeah, so light armor. So the, the regen armor gives you plus one, so that would put you five up. Yeah, three up, three and up. then four up. Yeah, that works, which is cool. And he's resilience five when he's on there, five HP. Yeah. So tanky. He is tanky. I mean, a complete catapult magnet and bolt thrower magnet and uh, cap, uh, cannon magnet, but it's nice to have a very tanky wizard. And because you don't need your highest leadership character to be your general anymore, there is definitely potential to make him that. I don't know why you would, because he's only discipline 7, but it's an option. Yeah. Um, as for the magic, I think it's hard to say what the best way to go on this is. I think people need to really sit down and work out the spells they want and the best ways to take them. I mean, I've been thinking Wizard Master, but that really becomes very expensive very quickly. Especially mm -hmm. if you put them on the altar. 
and that's a massive point drop if he gets plinked by a cannon. Um, so it might be better to take maybe just an adept. Yeah, so I'd, spells and a hereditary. Yeah, I think people just need to sit down and work out what spells they want and how to get them. Yeah, because I mean, for all that we're saying, there's probably more limitations now with the bound spells. You still have access to them. You've still got the prayers. There's a couple of really nice bound spells included in the new rule book, just as general items that are open to everybody. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you've still got the bound items on the the arcane engine. Yeah. As well. So you, there are other options in the book if you do want to go magic light. But as you say, with the changes to magic, it's probably going to be harder to get things off with bound spells, especially with the likelihood of other armies running proper wizards. So yeah. But it's good. I mean, you've got good bound spells in the book. And four solid doors to choose from. That's it. I think it's the, again, it's the synergy. I think bound spells now really work when you've got a wizard, whereas before you didn't really need the wizard, and a lot of the time it was more reliable just to go all bound. Um, so yeah, I think this is it's going to be cool to test this out. I'm cautious to say anything because I think a lot of this will just be testing it out and seeing what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very optimistic, and I definitely think wizards are now an auto include for Empire. I think. Yeah. I think they should be. I think with how the army is designed yeah. to work. The idea that you've got someone there to actually boost stats through magic is really cool. I think you should always be able like, to not take a wizard and just do the, the kind of holy army idea of taking lots of prelates. Because I think from a fluff perspective, it's really important to keep that going. Like talking to Ed, I know a big part of the Empire fluff is Ed, like this potential of civil war that's breaking out. So that holy element is very important in that. I'm I'm going to try it out. I'm going to see how feasible it is. But on paper, I think um, it's all about wizards now and how the bounce spells can help the wizards rather than the bounce spells just going it alone. Cool. So uh, moving on. Inquisitor. Inquisitor for 150 points. Yeah. He's basically the same as well. So yeah. um, offensive and defensive skill 5, uh, resilience 4, 3 health points, um, just heavy armor. Uh, but he had that before. He's got Witch Hunter, Lethal Strike, multiple wounds D3. So basically exactly what he was before, but 10 points cheaper. He's now also Fearless. So he did have Immunity Psychology. That's now changed to Fearless. He's not a leader, so he can't be your general. And he's got Magic Resistance 2, which is obviously changed now to if he is in a unit, it's two points harder to cast Magic on that unit. Yeah, which is really nice. Yeah, so I can definitely see him pushing his way into army lists now. Uh, just for that, really. Because um, 150 points is pretty reasonable for him. Witch Hunter has changed the special rule, so um, now attacks allocated to, on a model that has the challenge rule. Channel rule. Uh, sorry, cha- sorry, channel rule. Um, reroll failed to win rolls. Which is cool, so he's kind of like anti-magic caster type yeah, guy. It makes more sense than uh, what it was before about the aura thing. Um, so yeah, he's, a, he's a proper witch hunter now, where he's going bitch-slapping wizards left, right and centre. If he gets in combat. I mean, if you get in combat with a wizard or a, a channel thing, most of the time it's going to go your way. Uh, but of course there are um, certain units now that can channel. Like, I think Phoenix Guard, I think I read on the forum somewhere, they, they've they got channel, maybe. Okay. Not a quote. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so stuff like that, you know, that's obviously a hard-hitting elite unit that you can re-roll wounds against. So, you know, that's a nice little synergy. Shield for 5, plate armor for 20. You can still take up to 100 points of magical equipment. Paired weapons for 5, great weapon for 10. Crossbow, hitting on a 3 plus for 10. Brace of pistols, hitting on 4 plus for 10. And he can take a horse and gains light troops for 70. So he's a bit more expensive to go on the horse, 
But apart from that, everything's basically the same as it was. I never saw anyone actually run Inquisitors before, I don't think. Nick tried repeatedly to make it work. Yeah, actually, that's the thing. I saw him play an Inquisitor once. Yeah. I think he and tried four games in a row with him, and it just wasn't working. Yeah. It's just when you see the D3 wounds, lethal strike. I mean, that just looks amazing. Yeah. But then but you see two attacks. <laughs> two attacks, and you're like, meh. But with Hammer of Witches and his new Witch Hunter changes, yeah. potentially that's more doable. Yeah, if only monsters had channel. Uh, maybe some will. Maybe, yeah. I'm not. I don't say that knowing that any of them do, but I can imagine from a fluff perspective that some of them do. Yeah. Maybe in the Demons book. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Even maybe like um, what are they? What are they? Highborn else have the Phoenixes. The Phoenix Guard. But or, the Phoenixes. Or Flame Wardens. Sorry, that's what they're called. The actual now. monsters they have. Oh, Fire Phoenixes. Yeah, so they've got the yeah. Have so they got they channel? channel. Oh, okay. I don't know. I just mean like from a fluff perspective. If I had to guess, I can see a unit like that getting it. It's not mm. to say that they do it, because I've not read the book, but potentially there might be additional units that this guy's actually actually quite good against that we don't know. Yeah, so. I, th- I think he's still very niche. Oh, definitely is. Yeah, he's not. I don't think he's going to get into singles tournament lists, but I think he's still a very cool, fluffy character for stuff like if you're doing narrative games or campaigns, he's still very cool to have. Yeah, um, I think he's um, a luxury. Like, yeah. If you've got the points, I don't want to say waste, but if you've got the <laughs> points to kind of Spend on this, because he's 150 points base, right? So if you kit him out with maybe a couple of magical items, you know, plate armor and all the rest of it, you're getting to the 250 point, yeah. 300 point, and that's like a marshal. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think there's your points are going to be spent elsewhere, so if you're taking them, you're taking them for probably more fluffy reasons. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you play, like, VC every week, you're probably going to want to take this guy to yeah. hunt after a little level 1 casters to get rid of like their evocation spells and stuff because they'll all have channel presumably. yeah yeah they do so um and even stuff like if you are playing in a you know a group that magic is super popular which i think it will be in 2.0 yeah and um, the magic resistance might be nice i just think that um it's nice to have but it's not essential and there's other things that are essential that which demand your points so i, I think he's kind of yeah. st- he's stuck he's better slightly better than he was before there uh, because he can get better stuff yeah but, i'm glad they've kept him uh, i'm not, glad that, yeah yeah absolutely they've not just rolled him into like an option so rather than like a prelate doing certain thing you can give him a witch hunter upgrade yeah. i still think so, it was it was cool in the past how you could choose what order he was so you could be a vampire hunter a witch hunter or a demon hunter oh that's cool and that was cool because you could choose your different things um and I think across the board, the the Ninth Age guys have, I think, been somewhat guilty of that. I know they're they're saying that they're going to add that stuff back in now, which I look forward to. But in, in terms of this edition, I think he's still caught in the same position he was before, where he's not he's not important enough to warrant selection when your points are pretty tight on characters anyway. A lot yeah. of the time, he's cool though. I like the idea of him. Yeah, definitely. Last character. Last character, Artificer. Hundred twenty five big ones. Yeah, so he's five points cheaper. He's exactly the same as he was. The order obviously has changed. He's retained that ability, um, but it's now changed to accurate. He can take up to 50 points of special equipment, which was the same. Um, and all his weapon options have got slightly cheaper. So a handgun's now 5 points, which is a steal. Um, repeater pistols, 10. Repeater guns, 10. Long rifles, 15. And he can take a horse for 20, which is 30 points cheaper with Barden. I think that might change, because I can foresee... <laughs> 
<laughs> 145 artificer chaff. <laughs> what, just stick them on a horse and like stick them in a unit? Yeah. Like, no, papers, and then no just don't, even, don't even stick them in a unit. Just like put them on a horse and use them as chaff. Right, 145 okay. points. That's the dirty side of me that's coming up with that idea. Um, I know it was a fear beforehand because um, I, I can't remember who I was talking to. We t- was talking about this idea of putting an artificer on a horse and just using them as chaff. And I was like, oh my God, that's so filthy that it kind of turns me on a little. Um, Even just having them on foot. I mean, like dwarves do that with like their engineers. Yeah, I've done it a few times. Like um, if you've got ambushes pop on behind your war machines and you really need that extra turn shooting, use them as chaff. And it, it works pretty well for that. I mean, I've chaffed up Gore-Tax and stuff before with them. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> <laughs> my, my, the model I use for the engineers looks depressed anyway, so I don't feel guilty about it. <laughs> um, I think the horse thing will probably change. I think that's too cheap. 145 points for mobile chaff is very nice. I don't know. They might keep it. I've probably given people bad ideas now saying that, but you know, if you want to take them to make your cannon more reliable, he still fills the exact same role for the same price. So, yeah. He was never a kind of auto-include, which I don't think anything should be, really. But if you're taking war machines or you're taking lots of light infantry now, there's even, you know, probably a bigger reason to take them. Yeah, probably just for that extra order. Yeah, so it's nice. Again, the orders, because just because of those simple tweaks where you get a slightly bigger bubble with the um, the banners and stuff, the orders are kind of becoming more available, more flexible. I think it's a nice thing to have. I mean, him in a big unit of light infantry giving them ready and fire if they've got the marksman's pennant and you've got artillery nearby sure that's all right i suppose yeah, yeah i mean if you you could do like i think it was like fourth or fifth edition like you used to see all the time like the big long lines of uh, hangers mm-hmm. um so i could maybe see a return to that the issue is is that they they're made out of polystyrene so if they get shot at or they get catapulted they will panic and run away if they're not in bubble but it's cool yeah. I, I like it I, it gives there's still options there for him so yeah and the engineer rules stayed the same so um if he's within six inches of the war machine they can re-roll on the um misfire and uh they can get his uh sh- to shoot modifier so it's uh, hitting on a three plus normally which is nice especially for cannons and even volley guns it's nice yeah that's it for the characters, yeah. So uh, the mounts, we've kind of gone over. So the horse has got Barden. It's just part of his profile, which is really nice. I really like that. Yeah, it's good. Pegasus is the same. Young Griffins, God bless them, are still the same. <laughs> uh, Big Bird is the same. Uh, the dragons got a bit cheaper, which is nice. Uh, there was an explosion of dragons all over the, the UK, anyway, over the last couple of months. I don't know how much of that is just because, um, like, the end of 1.3, so everyone wants to take a bit crazy stuff, and the prevalence of the uh, Chris Mint zombie dragon uh, necklace. But, uh, yeah, less artillery floating about as well. Yeah, there was, yeah. Um, so, I don't know, you might see a couple more dragons, because there was, what, what was that? That was about 50... 475, yeah. Yeah, you might do. What's the profile on these guys? Resilient 6, innate defense Four, six wounds. So he's got three up armor, resilient six. Yeah, he's okay. No, it'll be a, it will not just be a four up because he's a monster. Uh, no, three up. It says armor save on his profile, three up. Oh, nice. That's alright. If you want to take a dragon, take a dragon. Um, the arcane engine, we'll probably just leave that now and we'll come back to that. Yeah, okay, it makes sense. Yeah, um, and the auto battle we've already discussed is basically stay the same. And uh, the unerring strike from divination has remained its um, bounce spell. It's additional bounce spell, rather, um, and it's a 4-8 power level. Yeah, like so, the rest of them. Yeah, so that's, like, standard. Right, so core. core. Yeah. So still 25%. 
Still 25. Um, first one is heavy infantry, the good old boys. They're now 10 points cheaper, so they're 150 rather than 160. They're basically the exact same as they were, where if you take over uh, 21 or over, you're a parent. If you take un- uh, 20 or under, or you can only take 20. Um, they're support, they're scoring, light armor, shield. The big thing is they get shield standard now. Yeah, this is nice. Uh, which is nice. So they come with flat, five up against shooting. For melee weapons, it's a point extra for a spear, a point extra for a halberd. I think that's really nice. Um, so the swap shield for halberd rules being re- uh, options being removed. I think this is really nice for a point. I don't think halberds are going to outshine spears, but it's nice to have that option and that the, they are the same. I think there was a lot of people in the forum that kind of reacted, not negatively, but kind of unimpressed by this. I think it's a really nice little buff that's kind of a free buff, if that's such a thing. Because the big yeah, thing well, that, just just with like armor piercing. Yeah, I mean the big thing for the halberds was just getting them in. Because you yeah. don't, I mean, the heavy infantry they're kind of designed to die. <laughs> they're not really um, meant to be doing much. So even that extra pivot armor against shooting is a big deal. Because a lot of stuff in 1.3 was taking away that six point ar- uh, six up armor anyway. Mm-hmm. So you were just used, losing swathes of halberdiers before they got anywhere near the enemy. I, I like it, and for a point, I think it still makes halberds an option, which is important. I think spears will still be taken on mass, but maybe for support units, you want to keep your halberds, especially with fighting extra ranks. So they're just pumping out, you know, fifteen strength four attacks, which is quite nice. And it's still ten, 10 points a model, so a little bit cheaper overall, but it's the same for much of them. And obviously they still get champion musician standard bear and they can take up to 50 points on their banner. And a big thing actually, so veteran standards aren't a thing anymore. Nope, so you can have multiples in core now. Yeah, and you can take multiple banners, which I actually really like. I think that's very cool. cool. It makes sense in a fantasy game as well. It's cool for modelling purposes as well, if you want to like have actual designated banners, if you go that extra mile. (laughs) Like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool if you've got a unit with like several banners kicking around. It looks yeah. really nice. Uh, yeah, I Especially like, for this army. Yeah. With like regimental colours and stuff. I really like when I've got... Because um, I use pikemen for spear. And when I've got the pike unit with the BSB and their standard in it, it just looks really cool on the table. Yeah. Especially when they're in like a, a horde formation or a line formation. Um, I think d- now potentially you can have three banners in a one unit. That's gonna Yeah, it's going to look really cool. I'm going to have to buy more banners. I'm going to have to get my banner guy on the phone. You're going to have to make his uh, spear that little bit longer so you can actually get Multiple more banners. Multiple banners, on. oh no. <laughs> so, light infantry next? Yep, 135 points. About the same, or is that more, or is that less? Five points cheaper. Um, and there are 13 points for additional model, so that's a point cheaper than it was before. The fact that they've got... Now, I would imagine that the vast majority of people are going to run these guys as support units. You might occasionally see them with the one big mass. Uh, you can only take yeah. them as support units. Oh, right, you can only take them as support yeah. units. Right, so, sorry, what I mean is, you could, you might want to run them in larger groups of 20. Uh-huh. But um, I'd imagine most people are going to take them as uh, support. So you're getting that fighting extra rank, shooting in three ranks. Yeah. Bonus. I think um, at, at least units of 15, if not kind of longer units and getting more shots off. Yeah, I think the fact that you're getting these rules inbuilt and they got even a point cheaper... Yeah. It's really good. I don't think you can really complain. I mean, the issue with them before was that without that fire and extra rank, which is the big, you know, that's their big buff, uh, mm-hmm. but without that, they were 140 points. Shooting isn't, you know, super effective in Ninth Age. It's it's nice, but it's not game-winning, especially for Empire. So it, they never really justified their points, especially in comparison to the State Militia, which we'll get to in a minute. 
yeah, everywhere and um, just run, run the militia instead. Yeah. And why wouldn't you? Because I mean, yeah, I held off for ages. Like, I tried to use crossbowmen for ages. Um, but then when I gave in at the state militia with pistols, like, they're just so much better. Or they were so much better. So, yeah, I, I think, I think light infantry are back because of that, um, the synergy with the parent unit, which is cool. I like the idea that it's, it's kind of, it's better now to use the army special rules. Whereas before, it was kind of an addition, but no one apart from me really built their armies around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think people will now build armies around it. And I think importantly, I think even from kind of fluff gamers to tournament players, you're going to be looking at the parent support units and that's how you're going to be building your, your core around anyway. The, the downside is because more people are likely to use that mechanic in the book, you're going to be coming up against more opponents that are aware of it. So you can no longer catch people out when you can like... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. T- at tournament level, most people know. It's quite funny. Like, when I, whenever I go to tournaments or whatever, and um, someone rocks up, that's one of the first questions they ask. Like, what does that do again? Like, ah. Uh, whereas you can't really. I would have been burned before. <laughs> I know. I won't actively tell people what it does, but if they ask me, I'm obviously going to say, "Well, it does this." You might not want to charge them. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I like it. It's a big buff for the light infantry, and I think they'll definitely be on the table now. But beyond that, pretty much remain the same. Yeah, I mean, they can swap out uh, their crossbows for handguns for free. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what everyone goes with. Um, there is obviously, you, do you choose extra range, or do you take the extra pip AP? I'm tending towards handguns, but um, I was talking to a couple of the Scotland guys, and the idea was floated that maybe crossbows are better or maybe like one of each. I know that Felix has made up a couple lists where um, he's done some crossbows and some handguns. So, yeah, I think that's another thing that we'll just need to test and find out. You can take a champion standing musician and you can obviously now take uh, banner enchantments up to 50 points, which is nice. And they've retained the nice little thing, which I don't think I've ever seen anyone take, but they've retained it anyway, um, that the champion can replace his a weapon with a long rifle or a pier gun for five points. Yeah, that's nice. It's a nice little fluffy thing. Um, I'd imagine the the main thing with that is just remembering to actually use it if you do spend those five points. Yeah, I mean the the book got cheaper as well. A lot of the time, like the repeater gun used to be twenty points, and the long rifle. Uh, sorry, yeah, the long rifle used to be ten. So both little points drops, and this is a thing across the board because I think before one point three, I think it was safe to say that. I think there was a lot of things in the Empire book that was just a little bit overpriced for what they were because you're basically paying for the synergy potential and I think across the board there's been those little price drops which I think help the army a lot because they all mount up. Uh, so yeah. I, I really like that. We mentioned them before, State Militia, the next unit. State Militia. So yeah, these guys have been a real point of contention within the Empire community because basically they're incredibly point sufficient. For what they are. Eight so, points? Is that same as before? Yeah, same as before. Um, they actually got slightly cheaper um, because they're 80 points for 10 and it's now 6 points for additional models, whereas it was 8. Nice. They're still scoring, but they've lost support unit. Right. Basically can't use them as alternative to light infantry, which is exactly. good. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I think that was the big reason for that. So... We'll talk about the unit, but just to run through uh, what they are first. So they come with paired weapons as they did before. You can give them bows for two points per model. You can give them pistols for four points per model. And if they're equipped with ranged weapons, you can give them skirmisher and they lose scoring for an additional point per model. 
and then they can take champion musician standard but they can't take enchantments on their banners there's still the max 15 models if they're skirmishing and if they take bows or pistols they additionally count towards the auxiliary slot in the army i think this is a good change because it keeps the pistol militia or bow militia skirmishers viable the big problem is because they've lost support they're no longer insignificant to parent units so whereas before you would throw them out as a screen normally and redirectors and a chaff essentially whereas now if they flee through lines um that causes morale checks which you know um it, you know too well actually um causes issues the amount of times i've had even before they changed this the amount of times i've had the uh, militia flee through stuff like knights or the altar or something like that and panics it and runs off um so this on a, a bigger scale is potentially an issue mm-hmm a lot of people are moaning about this quite a lot in the forum. I think I'm right in saying that Dan and Felix had spoken to um, the rules guys saying maybe they could just get insignificant. As far as I'm aware, that was rejected. I think if they get insignificant, they're maybe too good again. Um, yeah, what, so. is, what does that work out as? So if you're taking 10 with pistols... Yeah, so sorry, it's actually cheaper. for yeah. So bows used to be 3 points, so now they're 2. Pistols used to be 5, now they're 4. And for skirmish, it used to be two. Now it's one. So it's now twenty points cheaper to take. One hundred thirty points if you run ten pistols. Yeah. Whereas it used to be one hundred fifty. So it's twenty points cheaper. Think. Maybe if they bring that in, maybe they would have to go up in points. Yeah, I think as they are just now, they are. I don't see why you would take them with paired weapons. This was a big thing on the forum over the last couple of days. I've been talking about what role do they play. I don't really see a role for them with paired weapons. A couple of guys were talking just like chaff, because 80 points for 10 guys is good. Um, so I guess you could use them like that. But the big reason you take them is to make them skirmishers and to give them either bows or pistols. And I still think they're very good for that. I think they fulfill a different role from light infantry, especially because they've lost support. I think they're in a good position just now, like that. Uh, sorry, going into 2.0, if this is how they stay. They're still going to make it into lists, but they'd fulfill a different role to light infantry, which is the big issue with them. Yeah. I think if they get additional rules at that price, I think they start. I think they start taking away from light infantry again. Yeah, I agree. I think even insignificant. Um, it's a really good rule. Oh, it's super good, and I, f- I kind of feel like I'm betraying some of my imperial colleagues on the forum by saying this, but I do think that if they get insignificant, they either need to go up in points, or they just become too good. I think because then you can start using them as screens for stuff like the chickens without any fear of them panicking the chickens. And I think that's where they start becoming, you know, probably too good. I, I still really like them. They're still in my 2.0 plans. Not like they're, they've taken a massive hit. I think they've just changed slightly in how you would use them. Even taking, like, 10 skirmish pistols, 130 points, it's a cheap little unit. That if you've got the points spare, you can keep around to protect. Exactly, yeah. And they're artillery. still... Well, yeah, and they're still good wizard bunkers because they're skirmishers. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing, role. yeah. Because if you give them insignificant, then characters can't join them. It's true. So then they lose that. Um, yeah, I think they're fine as they are. I think people are kind of over worried about it. They still do exactly what they were doing before. They've just their their role in terms of their shooting contribution to the army has changed a bit. But I think yeah. still think they're really good. The thing is, you've got access to things now in the book to give you like. 18-inch range on your commanding presence, whatever it's called. Yeah. You can offset that risk more easily now than you could before. Yeah. If you're worried about it charging through your own stuff. So So the last core unit is Electoral Calf. They are basically the same. They're 180 points for 5. You can get up to additional 10. They're 2 points cheaper, so they're 34 points now 
for additional models. Their stats are exactly the same, um, except from they now come with Lance's standard, and they've lost the option to get great weapons. And it's now four points for a shield, so they're slightly more expensive. The standard way to take these before was to give them the great weapons and the shields, so they're one up against shooting, two up in combat, but they just grind out strength five hits and just take them as fives and use them as objective grabbers, which they're very good at doing. But I never really liked the idea of great weapon calf. I know there's guys in the forum that have, you know, or if you look at the Huns or whatever and they use blah, 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 blah. I mean, uh, history is my thing and I, d- I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's, it doesn't really fit. Sure, knights on foot use great weapons, but I think you'll struggle to find examples of armored knights using, you know, two-handed swords while on horseback. Anyone that's ridden a horse knows how fucking hard it is. <laughs> uh, so I think it makes sense that they've got knights. Um, sorry, they've got lances. And then, of course, you can now take the... If you've got a knight commander in the army, so it doesn't. it's not compulsory and he doesn't need to be your general, um, you can choose to upgrade them for 10 points each to knightly orders, a.k.a. bastardized versions of knightly orders, um, where the knights get... Plus one offensive skill, plus one defense skill, plus one strength, and plus one armor penetration. And then they can swap their lance for cavalry picks for free if they're knightly orders. And that gets them AP3. AP3. I mean, this, we've already kind of talked about them when we were talking about the knight commander. Um, yeah. But I don't... I think they're still going to be used as the five-man units and objective grabbers. Um, when I was kind of playing around with lists earlier, that's how I would kind of envisage them. I don't think... Even with the orders and stuff, I don't think they put out enough damage. And I think they get too expensive if you do the knightly orders mm-hmm. and put the knight commander in it, and even if you put a prelate in it. I mean, that's what I was doing with the knight, the proper knightly orders before. Yeah. But their saving grace was the front rank got two attacks, and your champion got three. So they were dishing out, you know, a lot of pain on the charge. And I just don't think you get anywhere near as much. Yeah, I think before, the way you were running them, it was you were that was your hammer. So yeah. you were going after the big threats, the monsters and stuff in your opponent's list. I think if you run it now with these upgrades, I think it becomes more like, almost more like an accessory unit where it's there to grind. You're relying on the one-up armor. If you take picks and stuff, you're AP3, but it's the strength four that restricts them, so you'd be relying on magic and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I know you like the, the, the pick for the AP3. I wouldn't take the pick. I would keep them with lances. Yeah, I think the lances are totally viable, and it just depends on what they're going to be used for. Yeah. If you run in the Knight Commander, it's a half-decent bunker for him to go in. If you kit him out so that he's doing a little bit more of the damage against the right targets, they could still be quite good. Yeah. You're not going to be wanting to charge, you know, the wrong thing. You can't go after monsters with them, but maybe against, like, MSU lists, 10-man units. Yeah. Especially against, like, 10-man warrior units. Having the AP3 is very good. Yeah, I think, yeah, maybe like that, and especially if you took them with the Knight Commander. So you've got the Knight Commander in the unit. If you've got, like, maybe a Marshal nearby, or even a Marshal BSB in the unit, you make them the pair, and you have your two wings of shooters either side, and then you you maybe take, you probably take 15, or at least make sure that you've got three ranks, and then give them the fight next rank order. Um, that could potentially be okay. But again, I'm just not convinced that they've got enough hitting power. Yeah, I don't think they're as good as how you used to run them. Yeah, and I think they're more expensive now. I need to actually set more of that out. But... I worked out for nine guys with the picks and the upgrades. They're like 552 points. Is that with the stalker? Yeah. Yeah, so it's slightly cheaper than nightly orders, but again, 
Night Lord is dish out more pain. Yeah, the thing with the for all that they've got a one up, they're still on the resilience tree. Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, knights aren't really going to be heavy hitters in the book anymore. But I think that's a, a trend across the book. We don't really have heavy combat hitters apart from Imperial Guard now. Yeah, I suppose that kind of um, ties in more with the overall theme of the book and yeah. helps differentiate them more from KOE as well. Yeah, I mean, Which I think that's yeah, undoubtedly the reason they changed Nightly Orders because Nightly Orders probably needed a bit of a buff because they're probably too expensive for what they did. I just take them because I really enjoyed them and I loved that unit just riding about punking stuff. But they probably did need a buff and if you buff them, they probably got too good for and they were encroaching on uh, Equitine territory. So I understand, but you know, the beta is put in place, so nothing's set in stone. So if the community kind of turn back and say, no, we want Nightly Orders back, there's a good chance that'll happen. When I heard that Nightly Orders were cut, I was upset, because I've always kind of seen Special Nightly Orders as, you know, intrinsically part of the Empire kind of set up. Now time's passed, and I've kind of been thinking about this more and more. It's forced me to think about this slightly differently, so it might end up being a good thing. I just think that the only route way you're going to see Cav is probably just in the five-man units for objective grabbers. I think people will try the, the night buses, so I just don't think they're going to work. Okay, that's but, interesting. I guess we just need to wait and see. Yeah, they might work, and I might just look like a complete prick because I've said that and it's recorded, but <laughs> we'll see. So, moving on to special. So, first entry is the Imperial Guard at this, 195 points. Yeah, this is super easy. They've stayed exactly the same. Yeah. Exactly the same. Yeah, same points, same stats. They can still swap out their shields for great weapons for three points. Exactly, like, literally, exactly the same. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> Knights of the Sun Griffin. Yep. Exactly the same? Exactly the same. Exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, 280 points for three models. Yeah, and then you're 100 points for an extra chicken, and then 10 points per model if you want to give them the lance and shield. Um, which is the way I normally run them. I really like chickens. Um, they've often caused me a lot of heartache because they're kind of stuck in the position where they're really good at taking out certain things, but against other things, they're not good enough. They're not super expensive, really. For they're not. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think the the two units of three with the lance shield uh, standing musician for I think it's three hundred fifty points is still very good. It's really good value for money. And uh, I've actually I'm trying to order a couple more chickens so I can run because I've only got four just now. Um, but I think the two units of three is probably, you know, really viable. Just because we brushed over Imperial Guard, I think because of the synergies you can now do, I think Imperial Guard are better um, for the same points cost. They still have the issue that they're Resilience 3, so they will get chewn up against the wrong things, but I think there's definitely options there to make them really strong. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, we were talking yeah. about some of the builds, and, like, potentially that's a really scary unit with yeah. some of the synergies you can get, especially with the various different spells and stuff you've got access to now, some of the banners, being able to stack banners, that's a really good unit. Yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about the Death Star thing, but again, there's no point really going on about that because we will just need to wait and see what people play and how things work out. Yep. Next category. Imperial, Imperial Auxiliaries. So the first one's the Imperial Rangers. Um, these are definitely changed. Yeah, these are definitely changed and changed for the better. So they're now 90 points for 5, so 10 points cheaper. And they're 13 points for additional models, um, whereas they were 17. So overall, you know, a decent price drop. Their stats are the same. Um, they're still scouts, skills, skirmishers. Um, but they've now got a new rule called Frontiersmen. 
whereby all models with it automatically pass panic tests caused by terror. And there are also beast hunters, and the beast hunters rule is an attacking shooting rule, whereby when they use their bows, which is the only option they can get, their shooting attack gains an extra shot, and they gain lethal strike against beasts. So, pretty good at taking out monsters. Yeah, I really like these. The skirmish scout is really nice. Like, I think just units of five. You know, a couple units of five. Um, I was going to say, would you run these as a unit of ten or five? Probably just five to keep them cheap. Because then, if they're just five, against monster lists, the best thing that could possibly happen is you piss off a monster and it goes chasing after them. Or, you know, worst case scenario, it's 90 points of chaff. And I actually think just as chaff, this is something that Felix said to me earlier as well, like, just as chaff, they're really nice. Yeah. I mean, scouts are a really nice rule, but if you know they've got it, it's easy to mitigate against when you're doing your deployment. Yeah, and you um, can even just use them in the same way that we were using pistol militia as a screen. Yeah. Because they then provide you with a kind of a terror blanket. Yeah, so in some ways they're actually better than the militia. Yeah. Depending on how you want to use them. I think these will definitely make it in the list. I think, even, I think probably two five-man units is going to be um, a big thing. I really like them. Again, yeah, they're good. you're really just hunting for sixes for the shooting. You are, but you've got that multi-shot now. Exactly. Um, which is good. Um, the one thing you do need to watch, though, is because the lethal strike's only against beasts, and not yeah. all monsters are beasts. So the Gortak, for instance, is infantry. What? Yeah, I think the giant's infantry as well. Yeah, I think that makes sense for a giant, but when you've got a monster from the Beast Herd's book that looks yeah. like a Gortak, it's called a Gortak, isn't actually a beast. I think that's a little bit confusing. So just just for all those marshals out there, just uh, watch what you're sending them against and make sure that if you're doing the kind of scout drop behind the monsters that you're actually getting those uh, lethal strikes. Cause I love your concern for fellow uh, Empire players. We've got to look out for each other. It's a, it's a tough world out there. <laughs> There's a lot of bullshit you've got to look out for. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh, I mean... Gortax in particular. I don't know if it's just because I play Nick a lot and I come up against oh, Gortax. Have I started you on a fucking oh, Gortax? Yeah, probably. But I think <laughs> for Empire, they're just really hard to deal with. Um, because if your cannons don't take them off, there's not a lot else that you've got. Because they, they rip through steam tanks and stuff like that. So I think they're a really, really good counter to Empire. And I've had yep. games where Gortax just rip apart an entire army because you haven't managed to kill them. So it's a little bit disappointing that the rangers who are kind of our new anti-monster option won't really be able to help us against them, but we'll wait and well, see. We need some war shrine. War we, shrines no. are uh, anti-attack hunters. Oh, apparently, yeah. Actually, what we need is the rules team to make Gortax beasts, and then everyone's happy. Yeah, everything in the beast herd army just hit be beasts. Yeah. Fucking lethal strike everywhere. Oh man, that would be beautiful. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're really good, really cheap. I think you'll see multiple units of them. Cool. Moving on. Writers. Right. 155, sorry, 150 points for five models. These uh, guys have also remained 20 the same. models per army. Yeah, that's the big change. Yeah. They're exactly the same all across the board. Uh, even the points for like heavy armor still four points. Brace of pistols still six, and repair guns still six. Uh, but the max 20 is the big change. So no 30 models on the table ran as three 10 man yeah. blocks with the repeater guns. This is essentially the anti-Felix rule. <laughs> to stop the bullshit that he was pulling. Um, but it's quite funny. Um, I was looking at Felix has made up a couple of lists and he's still got three units of writer. They're just six-man units now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're super good. I think they're still the best um, light cab in the game. 
Uh, I think almost every Empire army will still have two units of them, if not three. The pistol and the repair gun are both, I would say, equally viable. Depends how you want to use them. I normally use them with the brace pistol because I like getting up and fucking with people and they just, they annoy people and people... They're really good. Yeah, people just worry about them too much. I think so, yeah. just because they can march 16, so they can just get right round behind you and if you've got war machines or if you don't go after them, the issue is that if you play six turns and they're pecking away at you the whole time. Yeah, and like and march test and stuff and just getting in the way and... Yeah, you do need to kind of deal with them somehow, so they're very point sufficient. Yeah. And I'm glad they stayed the same, because I think a lot of army books, and I, like we're probably guilty of this as well, like when you're playing against an army, there's always certain units that outperform others, and they're the kind of vocal points of keyboard warriors. So, like, you know, writers are overpowered, state militia are overpowered, and they're, they, they're not overpowered, they're just good units in our book that doesn't really contain many standout units by themselves. Uh, but because they're light troops, and they kind of perform that light troop element, of the, um, uh, the army very well. Um, I'm glad they've not massively nerfed them, they've kept them the same, uh, and they're going to continue being seen on the board as a result. Yeah, for all that, you know, you've lost one cav unit in the book effectively. It's nice that they've kept this one, because this is very EOS. Yeah. It's very fluffy to the army, so I think it made sense to keep them. And I'm still going to try out the uh, 10 man writer unit fire and impact thing. I don't think it's going to work, <laughs> but I think it's going to be funny. <laughs> Not against spears. <laughs> Not against spears. The the fire and impact is just a cool rule. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I've got this idea about using it in ten man units, and basically <laughs> just use them as cuirassier. But I don't yeah. think it, I, it's not going to work. But I'll try. See, it. that would have been a cool like if they had somehow managed to like bridge the gap between like a writer and an electro cav unit, whereby it could do both. It could have like a pistol, but when it gets into combat, it's a little bit better. I, that's the. I think that's the rest that they just become too good, and instead of yeah. doing one thing well, they maybe do two things poorly. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, they're, but, st- they're still awesome. So moving on to the Imperial Armory. So some changes here. Some changes here. Yeah. Um, the big thing is the zero to four. So yeah. it was zero to three. Now we can now take four um, artillery pieces, and now that artillery pieces are individual drops, this is very very nice, and I'm very excited about this. So most of the pieces in it of, of themselves are the same. Mortars are now limited to two per army, whereas before they were three. Yep, you could take okay. three. Yep. So just two now, but with some of the changes, you are more likely to want to take some other stuff. So the big change is the Imperial Rocketeer, which is Catapult 1. It has a range of 15 to 48 inches, so... Longer range now, before it was max of 36. Yeah, so a bit longer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shots 3, strength 5, AP 3, multiple wounds T3. They've lost flaming, uh, but they treat all misfires as a malfunction. So they effectively just lose a wound if they misfire. And each of the three shots can cause a misfire. So if you roll three ones, it's just three wounds. Yeah. Would you think is this a lot more tempting now? Would you feel this? Um, uh, well, in my head, my list now is two bullet guns, two rocketeers. <laughs> so I'll take that as a yes. I think these are awesome. Um, I think 180 points is like the golden number for war machines. I was going to say, I've just realised that they're actually under 200 points. Yeah, I think that is like 180 to 200, I think is the, the sweet spot for war machines because they're 
cheap enough that if ambushers come on or fast cab get them, it's okay. But you know, there's still war machines that can you know swing the odds sometimes. And I think these in particular, they're so multi-purpose. They're going to be awesome at taking out enemy bolt throwers and enemy war machines. Uh, they're going to be awesome at taking out monsters cav, monsters infantry. Um, and they're even going to be good against taking out individual characters. Like yeah. Even stuff like the zombie dragons, which I doubt will be a thing in 2.0. But um, if you've got two rocketeers, six shots firing at them, you're going to get some sixes and your wounds. And they're going to be doing D3s, so... I mean, it would have been awesome if they had flame attacks still, but I think these are really, really nice. Yeah. And obviously you're getting the reroll as well, because they're catapult. So even against, like, Cav, they'll be oh, okay so you're against. getting the partial hit as well. Yeah. And the partial will go up to strength 3. So, you know, against like stuff like Chosen, like little 10-man units of Chosen, they're probably still pretty good. I mean, obviously that's not their optimal targets, but... Yeah, well, I mean, they're only 180 points, so... Yeah, I mean the big thing now as well that you um you half AP as well as strength now, so they would go down uh, AP two, which is still nice. Strength three AP two. Yeah, no AP two is decent. Yeah, and if they blow themselves up, it's only 180 points, which I think is. I mean that that goes back to the sweet spot. Like that's nice. Well, like I mean, I like you're gonna have to roll five ones over two turns to kill it. Yeah, I'll be interested to see like see if it blows up, still resolve the shots that were successful, or does it blow up as the shots are going out so you don't get them. That's maybe something to flag up. And then the other artillery weapons are as is. Uh, volley guns got cheaper. Volley, oh right, yeah, it's only 200 points. Yeah. What was it just now? 235? 235, which was the big thing because you couldn't take two volley guns and a steam tank. Whereas now you can. can. Yeah. I mean, volley guns have retained a lot of, like, almost a shadow of terror because of uh, old hell blasters. They're not as good as them, but they're still really good. I really they're like very them. Good. Yeah, they're two hundred points. Two hundred points is bananas good. If you roll well on one strength five AP three, that's a yeah. lot of damage. I've had games where they do nothing, and I've had games where they obliterate almost entire armies. Well, you've taken off a unit of crushers against me before. One oh, against. easy. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've taken. Fuck. There was one game where we played, and that it was a volley gun in the ruin, and it just kind of <laughs> didn't stop all game. It just took units it's, off. Uh, 1.3 unit of crushers is 500 odd points. Yeah. So it's just got two and a half times its points back in one round of shooting. Yeah. So when it operates well, it's excellent. Yeah. And having two should be a little bit, you know, yeah. of insurance. And like you say, it's just that 24 inch range of death, especially when you are looking to get the charges off. Like you can afford to hang back and let your opponent get within that range. Yeah. Uh, get one or two turns of shooting in. So. I mean, it does have hard counters like bolt throwers. Bolt throwers chew up volley guns just because they can outrange them. Um, but now, because you're comboing volley guns with um, rocketeers, rocketeers, you've yeah, got. And a, not every answer. armor has bolt throwers. Ex- exactly, yeah. No, I really like it. I think volley guns are now very, very tasty if they weren't very tasty. The cannon is the same. Yep, it's the same, but it's five points cheaper, which I don't think is a big deal. Yeah, if other stuff's got cheaper, then it makes sense, I guess, to make it yeah. a little bit more comparative. One thing I would flag just now is the changes to line of sight is going to affect war machines. So stuff like mortars won't be able to sit behind infantry units because they can't see. Okay. So you're going to have to make gaps for them, uh, which makes sense. I, I mean, less sense for the mortar, but for the cannon at least. It was stupid yeah. that a cannon could fire through, you know, massed infantry. But the same it goes for the... makes total sense that a mortar should be, though. 
yeah, I, they might have to change that. Um, one way around it, I know the the dwarf catapult is large. Okay. So he can see over them. Um, I, I, that's fine for like catapults, but for a mortar which isn't actually that big, I don't know how that would work. But to be fair, mortars were really good, so maybe that's the kind of little hit that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm brutally honest, it, I mean, line of sight doesn't really bother the volley guns because they're always getting deployed on the line anyway. And then for yeah. your rocketeers, obviously, you're going to have to watch your lines of fire. But yeah, I mean, the rules for the war machine shooting, as long as you've got a, an avenue of fire, you can fire. Um, so it's not they've not been hit as bad as um, like archers, which have also lost volley fire. And you, what you were saying about keeping their lines of sight, I mean, they've only got a 60mm frontage. Do you know, if you're keeping an inch... An inch gap, that, yeah, you could still... There's not much that's going to be able to charge it. Yeah, there's shenanigans that you can definitely pull. So it's not it's not like, you know, a massive hit, but it's, you, you're going to have to think about where you deploy that's your fine. war machines a bit more. But yeah, you can do a lot of nice combos now. Cool. So you're happy with that then? Uh, yeah, I'm really happy. I don't like... I don't like cannons because um, one dice is just not reliable. And normally yeah. you only get two sh- two rounds of shooting with a cannon, by which point if you've not killed what you were shooting at, it's going to kill you. It's a, It's got a fear factor, but I don't think that. It's so frustrating to misfire turn one and have 260 points or 255 points do nothing for the game. I know that, I know. Like I wouldn't feel be happy if my big gribbly got taken off round one by a cannon. So I think they're at the right power level. Um, just for me personally, I, do, I just hate their not being reliable. The same goes with mortars, but less so, because obviously you've got the catapult, and they're a bit more multifunctional because you can fire the big shot at stuff, or you can use them as catapults. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy, because it, it fits my playstyle, this change. I, I really love the volley guns. I know you guys hate them. So I think two volley guns is probably going to be a staple of my lists until <laughs> I find a reason not to take them. Yeah, okay. Until they both miss fire turn one. Yeah, and then in which case they're getting thrown in the bin, and um, I'm probably going to take uh, flagellants, which we'll get onto. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so going into Sooner's Fury category, the first entry is the Arcane Engine at 280 points, and we kind of mentioned before that uh, by and large, it stayed the same. Uh, the bound spells which you have access to on either of the different upgrade options are both from Cosmology now. Yeah, so they've changed, yeah. So you've got Perception of Strength from Cosmology on the Arcane Shield, and you have Ice and Fire on the Foresight option. Yeah, so Perception of Strength is the plus one strength, plus one armor penetration, or, uh, you know, the the minus. Yeah. Um, And the Ice and Fire is 2d6 strength for hits with armor penetration zero, magical attacks, flaming attacks, divine attacks, or... Strength two d six strength four hits with strength four armor penetration three, and the big thing about that is that it's range twenty four. I think yeah. a, a big problem with the foresight one was that lightning reflex was a nice thing, but the bound spell wasn't as good as know the enemy on the arcane shield. Mm-hmm. So you've now got a buff wagon that's distracting and can give you plus strength, and you've got a buff wagon which gives you lightning reflexes, but it's actually decent ranged magical attack as well. Yeah. I quite like the, the Ice and Fire option. I like the more offensive build. I would probably run Imperial Guard on a list with this. Yeah, I think that's definitely a very very nice option now. I, I've always liked the Distracting, just because I've always felt that the Distracting saves my bacon more than the, um, the Lightning Reflexes. If you're Yeah, if you're building your whole... Well, certainly if you're building your core to be quite defensive, that's the, that's the go-to. Yeah. I think I'm quite a defensive player, though, so that's probably just my inner bias. 
Um, well, I mean, like your core guys are only like strength three, so yeah. being able to give them strength four with spears is really nice. Yeah, uh, both are very good. I, th- I mean, I still prefer shield, but um, I think foresight is very nice now with the twenty-four uh, inch magical. And because of the because of the changes abound, I actually think this is one of the situations where the changes really work. Because right at the start of the magic phase, you can just put two dice down and say, right, I'm doing ice and fire on that unit. And right off the bat, your opponent needs to decide whether they're going to one dice that or two dice it. Uh, I just think that that's where Empire are really going to receive their boost, is those synergies between bound and magic. Uh, sorry, proper magic. Uh, same goes for the prelate. You just put your two dice down and go, right, I'm going to get reroll to wound. And, you know, because of the lowers you've got, you've got nasty stuff in your lowers. They're not really going to want that going off either, so... It's all about forcing hard decisions on your opponent, and I think now there's very effective ways to do that. Yeah, and the model also has channel one, so it's pulling in a veil token. Exactly, yeah. So if you've got that, so. you've got a prelate, you've got a wizard, you're getting three veil tokens. So you're getting an extra, an extra magic dice. dice. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I think that's the way you need to do it. I think, I think you need to guarantee yourself an extra dice because some of the cards you're talking same number of dice, and it's really going to come down to what veil tokens you've got. Yeah. So I think your ability to generate those is going to be really important. Yeah, I think that's really nice. Very cool. I like it. Um, I think magic is all very tactical now. Very tactical phase. Um, whether you're attacking or defending. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to trying it out. And I think there's yeah. a lot of very nice things you can do with Empire. So, next entry is the Flagellants. Flaggies. 30 points. This time they come at a minimum unit size of 15. Yeah. Which... I think going to be a common feature across a lot of the books. They're up in a lot of the kind of minimum size. Yeah, engines. to reduce the MSU a wee bit. Another kind of standard change to a lot of the books is they've lost flails, yeah. and they've just got great weapons now, so they're keeping their plus two strength, which is good. And in a sense, it's on the one hand, it's good because they're losing that plus one to be hit, although changes to the frenzy rule kind of offset that. Uh, they're already t- they've been changed to defensive skill one, so they're going to be hitting on be ah, hit on right. twos by most stuff anyway. So okay. they don't really care. Okay, that's good. So they've got unbreakable as before, like you said, they're frenzied. They have fanatical as they already had, yep. and they had zealots which they already had. Yeah, I think pretty cool. Yeah, they're very. Oh, they have nice. battle focus as well. Sorry. So yeah, it's an additional rule. So they're getting their extra hits on sixes. Yeah. Did you did you mention the additional models? Because I think that's the big thing here. They may add up to 15. Yeah. So you can have you know, 30 now. 30, yeah. So 30 flag- flagellants is, you know, a thing again. I really like when people run the smaller size units just as, I don't know, they're almost like your version of like a fanatic. You basically throw them in front of things, right? You're going to have to go through that. And you'll probably kill them, but you're going to be getting all your attacks. They're frenzied. They're getting battle focus as well. They're strength five. They're going to be taking damage on the way in. And if they don't wipe them out because they're unbreakable, it's a roadblock. I think even 15 models on their own is quite an attractive option. Yeah, I think... Keep them cheap. I think they're going to have to change their limitations uh, because just now they're limited to three units per army. I think they're probably going to have to change that to like zero to 60 models per army. Um, because just now, as it is, you could take three units of 30, 90 yeah. flagellants. Um, three massive blocks of unbreakable is a bit gamey. Um, <laughs> I would have to work out the points, actually, because that might put them over their, their Sunos Fury allowance. I don't think it would, actually. 
probably still too cheap. I'm glad that they've got 30 back though, because I know a lot of Empire players have got loads of flagellants and they've kind of almost built their army around flagellants, so it's cool that those guys can field their big units again. So for a unit of 30 models, it's 500 points. Yeah. So 30%. So yeah, so you could still take three units as 30, right? It's 1500. Don't know if you had multiple prelates, loads of fanatics, witch hunters flying around, and altars and stuff. It's quite fluffy, I suppose. Oh yeah, you could make a really cool kind of like almost crusading. Army. Yeah, and the thing is, well, against the wrong matchup, you're just going to get shot to shit. Yeah, I mean, there's still resilience for. Um, I mean, the big thing is that they will die. Um, so yeah. you need. I think if you you either use them two ways, like use them like road bumps, like you said. Or use them as in the big blocks. My issue with the road bumps is that I think they're too expensive for that. 230 points. I think there's better, cheaper chaff in the army to do a similar job. And my issue with the 10-man blocks was always that you're basically resigning yourself that that 160 points isn't going to be there at the end of the game. So if you've got two units, that's, you know, 220 points that you're not getting back. Or sorry, three 320 points. But... um I know a lot of guys like them, but I think the 15-man units is kind of more in keeping with their fluff and great weapons. So they're strength five, battle focus. They could, especially if you put a prelate in there, a prelate in a unit 30, that's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, especially if they're backed up with something like the Arcane Engine, giving them lightning reflexes. Yeah, so you could, yeah, there's some nasty uh, flagellant builds, I'm sure. Yeah. I think you, you would just put them in line, though. So you would have eight wide they're unbreakable, so you don't care about combat res. And it's all just about churning out hits. So yeah, I, I really like the, the changes. I think you're going to see a lot more flagellants. They weren't super popular before. I really liked them, but I think there were just other things in the book. Exactly, like yeah. Because there's good chaff options um, elsewhere. And Imperial Rangers are, are good. So, I mean, that might be eating into those kind of points that you're designating towards chaff and new directors yeah. and stuff. So. I think a good, yes. a good thing overall is that there's now multiple options that are all quite good. Yeah. There will be different lists. There's not. I don't think there's going to be kind of. Well, there's probably going to be one list that's stronger than the rest, but it's not going to be like the um, ogre hell part or hellfist list where it's just everyone's running the same thing. So last entry of the book. Last one. Tank. 420 points. Uh, so quite a lot of changes to this compared to the previous steam tank. Yeah. It has a base movement now of 4d3 as its advance. Was it 3d6 before? It was, yeah, it's top one. But actually, importantly, um, so obviously the, the steam chart's gone. Yeah. But it could choose to go 1d6, 2d6, or 3d6. Whereas now it's just, if it if it chooses to move, um, it's 3d3 all the time, so you don't get to choose. 4d3. Sorry, 4d3, yeah. And obviously it cannot pursue or overrun. But it's kept its unbreakable, uh, towering presence, fear, and steam powered, which we've gone over. It's got uh, seven health points. Is that what it was just now? Is it six wounds just now or seven wounds? Uh, seven wounds. Tough to say. Yeah, I, that always catches me out. I always think it's six. Resistance six. It's strength five now. Yeah. So it's got 3d3 grinds. It's kept the breath weapon, strength two AP3. And the steam cannon, which is range 36, one shot, strength 7, AP 6, multiple wins D3, clipped wings. Yep, so it's got a pip stronger strength for the big shot because it was strength, 
Oh, no. Uh, no, sorry, it was Strength 7 before. Sorry. Okay. Uh, so it stayed the same. It's got clip wings, which you never had before. Um, but it's got a little bit of a range reduction because it was 42 inches of full health. Yeah. But now it's just 36 all the time. So it's probably a plus and a minus, depending on how lively your steam tank's looking. Yeah. Much and... So it's kind of it's grinding ability. I mean, it's got 105 from strength 6. Yeah. But it also has steel ram, which is strength 7. So yeah. impact hits are 2d3 at strength 7, which is nice. Yeah. AP4. Can still do damage on the way in, and then it's effectively a big, scary roadblock that can grind away at strength 5, doing 3d3 grind attacks. You're not sold on this now, are you? No, I'm not. I was never a fan of the steam tank, and then I went through one of my army wobblies where I was like, I just don't know what to do, man. (laughs) (laughs) And the steam tank was probably the only unit in the book that I hadn't tried. Because I I never never liked the kind of visual part of it. Um, but I tried it and I like almost instantly fell in love with it. It's just so fucking good. <laughs> I got off my high That's, horse pretty quick. Um, I didn't doubt just for the tank at it. Exactly. It it's just so versatile. Um, ballistic skill four on the the cannon was so good as well. It was fast. It was. I mean, it, it didn't really kill things, but it was just if in doubt throw the tank at it. It was just so yeah. useful uh, for an army that really struggles to have stuff that holds stuff up apart from flagellants, which had their problems in one point three. Um, it was just such a good option to have. But it's 20 points cheaper than it was, but I don't think it's going to make its way into my lists. Um, not initially, anyway. And I think that's for a couple reasons. First and foremost, the four artillery. So the ability to take the four artillery. If the tank had stayed the same, I think even the, the four artillery probably just dissuade me over. Um, but the fact that it's changed, I'm even less inclined to take it. The 4d3... Um, I think it's too slow. This is this is a, I should point out this has caused a big debate on the Empire form. Is like what is this tank? Right. Okay. Because there's a party that think it should be really killy, and there's a party that thinks that it shouldn't be killy. It should just be a tank. You know, it should just be really hard to kill. Um, I am part of the latter party. Um, I just think that I think 43 is too slow. It's too unreliable. Because what's that? That's like average eight. Is that right? Yeah, about eight inches. That's yeah, that's too slow. Um, the losing the strength six in the grind means that you're less likely to throw it in against monsters because most monsters are toughness six. Um, I mean, Empire really struggle against monsters because unless you cannon them, you don't have answers really. So the tank was always good as a last line of defense, and I wouldn't be too. I mean, it's still one up armor toughness six, so it's still going to hold up hold up the monster that's hitting it, but. It was always nice to do a bit of damage back to it. Yeah, it's the unbreakable as well, though. Yeah. Like, even if you lose, you're not going anywhere. Which, if you're using it for that purpose, to hold something up, it gives you time to get something else in to do the damage that the tank can't do. Yeah. Um, I, I know think, what you're saying, though. Yeah. You maybe just can't be as liberal with it as you could be before. You yeah. can't just say, right, you just hold that flank, and I'm going to go on the other side of the table. You might want to use this more as a support piece rather than just a roadblock. But, like you say, it's 420 points. So I mean, it, I, I think that was a big thing that everyone lost before, was that it was crazy good value for what it was in 1.3. Um, even with the chart, it was still so good. I think it's probably still good value for what it is. I think it just needs to be faster. If it was a bit faster, probably, it would probably still... I would still be inclined to take it, or to try it out at least. So how did the how did the chart work before? When it was at full wounds, it moved 3d6. So it was 1d6, 2d6, or 3d6. 
So you could right. really choose how far you wanted it to go. So it could go zooming across the place or it could go yeah. nowhere. Whereas now if it moves, you have to go full 3D, uh, 4D3. Um, and even if you want to go full, four, like full speed, um, you're probably only going to go about 8 inches. So how would you how would you change this? What would you do to it? If you could bring back the speed rule mm-hmm. and put it back up to 440 and keep the rest of the changes as it is, I would take it. I don't know if that would maybe make it too good. Um, the other option is that you just make it flat advance and march rate. So right. 6 advance, um, I don't know, 12 march or whatever. Obviously all this has been playtested to a degree. They've obviously got the reasons for pricing it at that but I know what you're saying. In my mind, because this is a fantasy game, and the idea that you've got any kind of mechanised unit, aka a tank, I think the fact that it is a little bit slower, to me, makes sense. Like, rolling 3d6 and it charging across 18 inches, I, I don't really get. No, it was stupid. I, I totally um, agree about that. But I think that I'm fine with it being slower, but it's the fact that you yeah. could roll four, like, a ones or twos, and it goes four inches. Like that's not slow. That's debilitating when you're playing a game. I mean, like, I didn't really have much of a problem with the chart before. Neither did I. But you know, I, I think it, it made it made sense. Like the more it damaged it gets, it becomes less reliable. Kind of like what they're doing now with like the giant rules, where the more wounds you inflict, the angrier it gets. Yeah, I think it's quite it's ironic that they've kind of implemented it on other things, but taken away from the strength, but. I think there was a vocal group on the forum that really complained about this. I totally agree that it should be slow and it should just be tanky. So I'm actually I'm okay with the strength five and the strength seven on the the charge makes sense. So I'm okay with that. The keeping the the steam cannon good but shorter range is I'm fine with that as well. That's good. It's just the speed. I think forty three right. is just too slow and it's too unreliable. I mean, hopefully that comes out in testing then. Yeah. And hopefully people do test it and they don't just say, I don't like that, I'm not going to use it. And then you're on the risk of it. It doesn't get changed because yeah. it's not been enough work to justify any change. But yeah, I don't know. I, get, I mean, it's it's still random, which I think it still kind of fits the aesthetic of the tank. Random movement's a really good rule because it, yeah. you can 360 pivot and all that stuff. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe 5d3? Is that too much? Because what would that, that would be, what, 15 Max, fifteen max, five minimum, an average of around ten. I would say that's probably okay. I don't know. So I mean, I'm sure the the balancing guys and the points guys have got points. That yeah, they'll have reasons. Yeah, but I just it doesn't make me want to take it just now, especially with the changes to artillery. And if if you want a unbreakable unit, I don't see why you wouldn't just take flagellants now. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're still paying for a tough, uh, sorry, a resilient six one-up armor, Goliath, that will not die, but uh, it's just the speed. I think if they just give it a wee bit, just make it a wee bit faster, a wee bit more reliable, um, it's totally fine where it is. Um, I would even accept the going back up to 440 points. I do would agree that it's stupid. Would you go higher? Uh, if they said, right, we'll give you 3d6, but it's going to have to be like 450. I would pay that. Right. If you got the option between the 1d6, 2d6, or 3d6, and it's 450, I would, yeah, I would say that. It'll be interesting to hear what um, other people think about it as well, because obviously this has been a discussion on the Empire forum. I think sometimes it's good to get other people in on it, like opponents, like when you're just playing against people. For me, like playing against a steam tank is 
it depends on how it's used. If it's used right, it can really like fuck up like your plan because it's just the unbreakable. And so you've because it's toughness six, seven wounds, one up armor. Unless you throw something at it that can actually round all those defensive stats, it's really going to get in your way. And therefore, you have to send something against it that's equivalent points or more. And so that stops you from doing something else. Yeah. So I, I agree that it should be something to soak up damage or just to basically fuck with your opponent's ability to get its heavy hitting stuff into your soft stuff. Yeah. And I think from that point of view, it's fine. I see your argument though with the speed because if you're rolling low, then effectively it's basically able to keep up with marching infantry and that's about it. So it's never clearing your lines. Yeah. And then at that point, it's not doing anything. You're effectively paying for a more expensive cannon, which isn't as good. Huge cannon. <laughs> yeah. I like the aesthetic of the tank. I like a lot of the rules surrounding the tank. It's just the speed, like you say, going to hold it back. Yeah. Maybe that's too much of a limitation. So. That's it. That's the new book. That's the book. So, overall, you're pretty happy? Uh, I am. I think that the small price drops kind of across the board are good. Um, the changes, particularly to the uh, parent support mechanic, is very good. Our magical items are very good. There's definitely more flexibility in the synergies. They're still obviously restrictive in the sense that you need them to go your way for the army to work, but that's that's you know why you play Empire. If you don't want that, go play Warriors. So I think there's, you know, like the changes to the the Rangers is really nice as well, and the artillery. My overriding fear is that all these changes encourage a more static and shooting playstyle. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the buffs seem to be targeted towards shooting. Yeah. Between artillery, light infantry, the Rangers are certainly better, as you say. And I suppose as well, more so now, you can you can see the tendency for people to go more Death Star. Yeah, exactly. Just because, just because, like when I read this book, I'm not an Empire player, but when I read this, I'm like, there's so many nice synergies, there's so many cool rules, really nice character builds potentially, and you end up sinking so many points into your characters, and you run out of places to put them. And then you effectively create these big, imposing, really expensive units that look really scary, but then are probably really easy to counter. So it's finding that balance between the two. For the most part, I mean, all the units are still there, bar one. Some of the least taken units are probably going to get fielded more now, which is good. So in terms of variety of builds, hopefully we still see people taking different things. Like you say, it's, it definitely looks a little bit more flexible, getting that extra lore, and certainly the hereditary spell, I think, is going to make magic a lot more pronounced in the lists, which is good. But again, it's that tendency to whether, whether or not you're going to see Death Stars. Are people going to go multi-wizard, or are they going to just go wizard master and then sink all their points into one yeah. place? I think some of those questions are going to be determined by the other army books and what you're going to be coming up against. So it's hard to say, but I think on the whole, it's, it's a really nice book. It's it's kept a lot of its fluffiness. It's certainly the magical items and some of the character rules now, even even more so, which mm. is really good. I really like that in the book. I really like the the buff wagon now. I think the arcane engine got better with the new spell. Yeah, I think I mean even before in one point three, it was still so good for two hundred eighty points. It was really good for what it was, and I think the changes to um, although Know Thy Enemy is amazing, we now have quite easy access to it because it's the number one spell in Divination. 
Yeah. Uh, so we can even cast the Aura version of it now. So yeah, I, mean, I think it's really good. And we were saying before before we started recording, there's the uh, Cosmology spell, which is very similar. Yeah. Which you could take also and potentially stack with yeah. another enemy, which would be ridiculous. Yeah, what was that? Like Initiative 7 Spears or something like that? We were working yeah. At. Plus 3 Agility. So initiative, initiative 6, yeah. I don't know, plus um, 3, plus if you get charged, so what's Initiative 8? Is that right? Uh, yeah. If they're charged with spears, yeah. get plus two of them, plus three with the spell. So, yeah. So, stuff like that, I think. I, Which no, is cool. I, really I think like that's it. something you need to bear in mind when you're playing Empire because there's so many things that interact with one another. Um, yeah. I really like that's how the, how the army operates. It's a totally different style of play from my army. And it's funny, I think it's kind of like, you know, the grass is always greener. Like, I'm someone that really likes or really appreciates that my army can work independently of one another. But then there are times where I really like the fact that, or I really would want more synergy. And then I can see it in your book and how everything kind of interlaces and complements one another. So I really like it. I think it looks really good on paper. It's just how this actually stacks up on the table. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be... um, I don't think we're going to return to whatever version of the rules it was where Empire were top tables. I don't think it's meta-breaking book. No, I don't think so. I think it's just, it's improved upon the areas that the book had. Its originality has definitely been enhanced with the orders, the spells, the synergy in the book. I think it's stronger now, which is really nice. The kind of danger that you've got with the book of potential weaknesses because you are potentially even more reliant now on characters, that protecting your characters becomes even more important. Yeah, so some. I'm I'm a little bit scared that it's be- we've become too much of a shooting army when we should be the combined arms army. Um, I'm a little bit scared about the potential Imperial Guard Death Stars. I think it's maybe too easy to load them up. Um, I don't know how effective they would be, really, because I think the issue with Imperial Guard has always been that by the time you buff them up, you get the characters in there, you make them survivable enough, um, you end up paying for a very expensive unit that other armies can field for cheaper. So I don't know if that's still going to be an issue. Um, that's something that you're just going to have to wait and see. Um, I, overall, I really like the book. I like what they've done. I'm obviously a little bit upset about Nightly Orders, but the general rule from what I've gathered is that when the guys were looking at the books, they had to cut. The, it was like a plus-minus system, so they had to cut to give, particularly in EOS, because the book was pretty balanced as it was. So I understand why they've been cut. Um, I just think with them being cut, the army really doesn't have any heavy hitters in combat anymore. Because chickens are good, but like we said before, um, I think they're they're very general purpose, but that makes them master or none. So, I mean, it really just is Imperial Guard. And like I say, you get to the point sometimes where you sink too many points in Imperial Guard and they become more of a liability than a, than a boon. There's a lot of nice, cool things and I'm really looking forward to trying it out on the table. So yeah, overall, I'm very happy about it. And the best thing about it all, actually, is the fact that we actually have a beta phase. So um, if you're listening to this and you're Empire player, talk to your uh, community support guys. Let them know how your games have been going. Let them know the builds you've been uh, playing with. Let them know uh, what armies you've been trashing and what armies you've been trashed by. Um, Because this is all part of the, the process. So if there's flaws in the book, they should become apparent and we can fix them. And nothing set in stone as well. So if you want to argue your case for something, um, argue it. Just if you are talking shite, don't be offended when someone says to you, um, in fact, sir, you are talking shite. 
I think that's for the last three or four months, people have been calling for effectively a beta testing, and this is what we're about to get. Yep. So use the opportunity. Yeah. It's funny, like just the last, even the last couple of weeks, just with like the advent calendar and what's been getting released, just completely stopped thinking in 1.3 terms, and I'm just really looking forward <laughs> to playing it. I've got my last game of 1.3 on Friday. I'm playing Nick. Um, and that will be my last game of 1.3. But, I mean, already, I'm just going to use the list that I brought uh, to the up the other week, because it's fun, yeah. and I'm already thinking 2.0. I'm quite lazy, though. Like, <laughs> when I was writing the list, I was like, oh, I wish I had Battlescribe. Uh, and it made me <laughs> really appreciate the Battlescribe guys for all the work they do. But, uh, oh, I know. Like, when I wrote my shit list, it was like four or five... A4 pages with just scribbles all over yeah, it. Yeah, like, I was the same. This, isn't, this just makes list building so much more difficult than it should be. It takes the joy out of it. But yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm looking forward to trying out. There's stuff like the, the Rangers and that I'm going to look forward to trying out. I mean, the bad thing is that I've, I've got two rocket teams that I bought, um, but I need to paint them now. And there's like, I need to paint more handgunners. And uh, I'm thinking about getting new ranger models because the guys I've got just now just have bows. So I was thinking getting like proper ranger-looking guys. Um, nice. And all the while, I'm meant to be doing the VC. So <laughs> personally, it's uh, more painting, but that's probably a good thing. Christmas is coming up. Exactly. Hopefully Two weeks of not talking to anyone in painting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you for staying with us. Um, I hope that particularly for the Empire players out there, that was helpful and gave you a bit of insight to the book. Um, just to reiterate what we were saying, really use the beta testing phase and talk to your army support guys. Uh, get on the forum, let them know what you're thinking. Don't be afraid of posting up on the forum either. I know there's like a group of people that post all the time and that can be quite intimidating, but there is a risk that you just get a kind of fraction of the community's opinions on these things where really the team really need everyone chipping in. And that's the only way that we're really going to get a finished product that everyone can enjoy. And just to reiterate what we said at the beginning about uh, points and stuff, we are hoping that this gets released in and around the book itself being released for people to use and to read. Um, yeah, so you should be able to tell are, when we're talking shit. If there are points that have changed, then apologies, but we're obviously working from the most up-to-date version as and when we've been given it. So um, if things have gone up in points, then just... There's reasons for that. Don't, you know, rush to the forums to berate the... <laughs> Don't <issue>. be hating. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just bear that in mind. But I'm pretty sure this has been useful, or at least it's kept company while I've been doing some painting or whatever in the background. Paint some lovely Empire men. Yeah. Or women. Or if you've been using this to fuel your hate for Empire and you're, you're painting Nobody some hates warriors Empire. or some uh, beast herds or whatever. What? We're the good guys. What the fuck are you talking about? If you want to contact us, you can send us an email at scottishwildlands at gmail.com. You can jump on Facebook and get involved with the group on there, which is slowly growing, which is nice to see. Um, You can also follow us on Twitter, um, where we'll be posting all things 2.0 in the new year. And you can get us on the forum, where I'm Lost Cause and Paul is Space Goblin. Um, And apart from that, I think there's only one thing left for us to do, and that's to wish everyone a happy Christmas and a great new year when it comes. And we look forward to playing some 2.0 with you all in the new year. Yeah, so take it easy, guys. We'll see you next year. See you later.